It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> I don't remember the rest well enough to go into it. Welcome to the Fick List Holiday Special. Woohoo! Yes! Yay! This is my time of year. Nice. I I am at full power. No. Ellen has fully charged. <laughs> yeah. And we are about to go off. <laughs> and for the first 11 months of the year, I am dormant. And then <laughs> December 1st hits and I, I rise like the full moon. It's a weird Pennywise thing. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Except instead of like eating and murdering small children, you're like... I'm just like eating a bunch of tamales and falling asleep. Right. Which is like way better. <laughs> Frankly, if that was Pennywise's deal, it would have been a if much that was quicker Pennywise's... movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too true. All right, so I think it's pretty easy to say that what we're reading today is some Christmas fic. Yay! But what what's our AU tag, Erin? All right, so <laughs> it's not technically an AU, friends, but Ooh. we, you know, we looked at our lives, we looked at our choices, and we realized that we were not going to get a whole bunch of new fics out to you guys in any semblance of time for it to make sense. <laughs> So we decided to do Christmas and New Year's Eve fic in one. All in one. Yep. So there's no real AU, but you're going to have to live with that choice because we can't change it now. Because we are at peace. (laughs) Yep. It also kind of makes sense to me to do them together because they often kind of go hand in hand it's, yeah. in fic world. A lot of times they're just connected or they're coming oh, out at the yeah. same time or exactly. all that kind of stuff. So. It's like holiday fic yeah, as opposed to like... extravaganza. Exactly. Yeah. So Christmas and New Year's Eve fic. Yep. Here we are. Let's do it. Should we start? Well, so we have to start with Christmas. We do, chronologically speaking. Uh, <laughs> but you know what's funny is that I, the Christmas fics for both of us are like ridiculously long and then our New uh-huh. Year's are like boop. Yeah, that's true. Well, right. since it seems it sounds like we're on my pick for you, why don't we start there? With the um the fic you sent me? Yeah. Okay. So you sent me <laughs> a truly delightfully titled <laughs> fanfiction called The Romantic Prawn Who Loved Christmas by Bix Girl One. B-I-X-G-I-R-L One. It is a Harry Potter fic. A dreary fic. Of course. Because let's be real, that's who we are as people. We don't fucks with anything else. No. We occasionally venture out, but boy, does Alan not. No. I I like my ship and I stay in it. Yeah. So this fanfiction, the summary reads, When Draco, forced into sharing a room with Potter for the year, finds out that Potter has a sleepwalking problem, he expects the odd conversation and the weird game of chess. What comes as a complete shock are Potter's other activities, and why he seems so intent on having Draco join him. Relax. It's just like a holiday Hallmark movie with, um, sleep wanking. (laughs) All right, friends. Woo! I started reading this at work. (laughs) That was not appropriate. (laughs) I had to stop. Choices were made. Yep. And so, word of warning. Rating explicit on this one? (coughs) And if you remember our previous episode about Smutty Smut, Alan overcorrected. (laughs) (laughs) He may not have sent me Smutty Smut for that, but boy, did he this time. Whenever you think Christmas, don't you immediately think like Smutty Smut? Yeah. (laughs) Deeply smutty. So if you are not about real, real smut (laughs) fanfic, this is not your jam. No. So to start, 
chapter one, we find that Draco Malfoy and Harry Potter are roommates. <laughs> we love I our ha- roommates, Vic. I have yet to figure out why they were roommates. It's post-Battle of Hogwarts. Yes. So maybe they just didn't have enough rooms in the castle anymore. Maybe. Did they just destroy the whole concept of houses? Like, I don't know. The magic of Christmas. Okay. We're not asking questions. <laughs> because it's, happening. it's technically their eighth year, which means they, right. like, they are outside of the system, I think. So they're, this uh, is like a courtesy. Yeah. And so they're probably staying in like some extra rooms somewhere. They're in some weird closet somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So uh, Draco has set up two Christmas trees, one on either side of the room. And Harry's like, so what the fuck is up with the Christmas trees, dude? And he's like, don't ask questions. Uh, <laughs> and basically, you realize that Draco is actually quite sentimental about Christmas and has a lot of family history and traditions and things about whatever. Harry takes this opportunity to sort of warn Draco that he is going off of his potion that, like, has kept him from sleepwalking up until this point. And he has a history of sleepwalking and being real weird when he does it. (laughs) And he's like, so you should know about this. And Draco's like, um, okay, whatever, fine. And Harry's like, great, okay, bye. And just kind of, like, leaves. And then Ron and Hermione both go to Draco and they're like, so Harry told you? And Draco's like, yeah, like, he's weird, like, whatever. Yeah. And Ron's like, no, like, he, it's weirder than you think it's going to be. <laughs> and Draco's like, what do you mean? Like, what's going to happen to me here? And he was like, well, usually he plays a lot of, like, wizard chess, but he has weird rules for it. And he's very, like, chatty and gets real weird. And then you can't wake him up because he practices magic in his sleep. And if you wake him up, he'll, like, blow up the place. Yeah. <laughs> so Draco's like, okay, don't wake him up. Great. Got Noted. it. Um, Uh, This sounds insane, but sure. So then to like really just like streamline this whole process, all you really need to know is that what ends up happening is that (laughs) Harry Potter does sleepwalk and he also sleep masturbates (laughs) very aggressively Mm -hmm. in Draco's direction. Correct. It starts off that like Harry's just like, I'm going to do this. It's going to be great. And he talks the whole time and he like tells Draco what's happening. He's very blunt when he's like sleepwalking Mm -hmm. where he's just like, but I like doing this. And Draco's like, you need to stop. This is like really inappropriate. And he's like, no. No. <laughs> He's just going to keep doing it. And it escalates and escalates and escalates. And Draco doesn't tell anybody what's going on mm-hmm. because he's just like, well, presumably if this had happened with Ron, Ron would have told me maybe. Yeah. And Harry doesn't seem to know what he's doing when he's asleep. Right. He's just like, I don't really know what to do about this. And Harry keeps like getting into his bed and being like, no, this is my bed. My bed. And it's very, very explicit. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> I- <laughs> I'm not judging. It was actually kind of great. But, like, it's very, very descriptive. Let's put it that way. That's, yeah, that's true. So, while this is also happening, though, Harry sort of opens up emotionally to Draco at the same time in very, again, profound but very direct ways. And Draco has this sort of, like, moral crisis of, like, would he tell me this if he were awake? Like, Mm -hmm. there's a tag in here that I think we should talk about, which is mildly dubious consent. Right. This fic does have questions of consent that Mm -hmm. I think... I don't know that the author fully answers, but I think it's okay, and it's up for interpretation about Mm -hmm. how consensual this whole relationship kind of is. Right. Draco has a moment of being somewhat coerced into this situation, not maliciously, Mm -hmm. but he's, like, in a situation where he kind of can't, he's like, well, I can't wake him up because I would be in danger, we would be in danger. He's like, I do like Harry and have liked him for a long time, so this is fine, but, like, how consensual is that situation? Yeah. And Harry is asleep. Right. (laughs) He doesn't know what he's doing. 
doing. So, like, while he is the perpetrator, for lack of a better word, that's also not waking knowledgeable consent. Exactly. So the two of them are in a very weird (laughs) place. If that's triggering for you, don't read this, because that is something to consider. Mm -hmm. But I think that dynamic is interesting to sort of, like, parse through when you're reading this and see how how it is handled and unfolded. Yeah, and I think it's, like, the majority of this is through Draco's point of view. And, Mm -hmm. like, he's grappling with this quite a bit in Mm -hmm. the first, like, two quarters of the fic. Yeah. It is a very long two-shot. Yes. It's a one-shot, it's a two-shot, which is cool. The other thing that I think is interesting is that over the course of time, you learn sort of the conditions of the Malfoys continued, like, release Uh, into the world, and it sort of unfolds how post-war Death Eaters are, like, treated and Mm -hmm. what's going on with Draco's family. Draco is very very aware that his family did bad things and he doesn't excuse his own behavior or anybody else's he's actively working to like course correct and be better mm-hmm. but he also has to reckon with the fact that like he knew his parents in a different way than other people did and they were very kind to each other they were a very loving pair to each other and mm-hmm. like that's the framework that he has for his family and he learned how to like love somebody through that lens where it's like very private but Mm -hmm. very like very kind and very tradition based and very loving so that's an interesting dynamic too where you sort of see like a lot of Draco's gestures to Harry are based in this like okay this is traditionally how you would court somebody (laughs) or something like that which is really funny but I think it's actually a really great way of processing Draco's like emotions and like Mm -hmm. framing how he would move forward I think it's the most for lack of a better word authentic version of this that I've ever read where it's Mm -hmm. like this is how Draco would actually move forward with this his father is in Azkaban of course and they can't visit him for five years Mm -hmm. and that includes his mother and his mother is not in Azkaban but she is not allowed to see him for five years and it's really really hard for her Mm -hmm. so as Draco and Harry continue to get more and more physically involved in Harry's sleep, eventually they do have a conversation while awake about being really into each other and, like, being really in love or whatever. And uh-huh. uh, Draco has to tell Harry. Harry had said to him, like, don't tell me what I do when I sleepwalk. And yeah. Draco was like, uh, <laughs> you might want to know, though. Right. And Harry's like, nope, I really don't. And Draco was like, um, <laughs> okay. And that, like, contributed to the, like, mildly dubious consent situation. Eventually they do have a waking conversation about all things because I think what happens I think well so there's one night where Draco has gotten so used to hearing Harry's footsteps like coming towards his bed when he's sleepwalking yeah so one night he hears the footsteps and he's like alright what are we talking about today yeah and they have uh, there's this whole like conversation that happens that is very open a la you know Harry sleepwalking and then Harry goes back uh, I think Draco's like um, okay so do you want to play chess yeah and he looks into Harry's eyes and he notices that his eyes are like actually looking at him and not like glazed over like yeah. usual and he's like no I'm going to bed and he goes to his own bed oh, yeah. and it's like oh that was a whole open conversation that happened with actual Harry. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think like the next day, Harry asks him to go to Hogsmeade or something. And yeah. I'm like, let's go, you know, I'll treat you to dinner and stuff. Yeah. And they start to get closer. And pretty early on, Harry decorates his Christmas tree, the one on his side of the room, yeah. with like all these muggle orbs and like the yeah. tinsel and stuff. And like and shitty Christmas lights. And fairy lights. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, there's this one point where uh, I think Harry is, like, in a state of undress, and Draco is just, like, looking at him, and yeah. Harry's like, you're staring. Then Draco says, oh, well, I was making sure that your fairies are okay. Yeah. Not fully not understanding that it's electricity and it's yeah. just a name. It is the cutest thing in the yeah. world. Yeah, and Harry's like, mm, you're full of shit, and also there's not real fairies on that tree. <laughs> 
And it was really funny. And then, as it gets closer to Christmas, Draco pulls out his, like, ornaments. And they're, like, all family heirlooms. There's, like, ornaments that have magic inside them. They're, like, spells that his family have developed. Mm -hmm. And that's a way to preserve it. (laughs) It's, like, so funny. It's, like, this one is supposed to make you tell the truth. Side effects, you might get a face full of boils. Yeah. It's just, like, all really failed attempts. Yeah, they're, like, they, they contain the spell and, like, you can kind of get little, like, wisps of it, but they don't actually make you do the full-on thing that, like, you're supposed to do or whatever. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, so jumping off of that, like, in the second chapter of this, Draco and Harry are, like, consciously operating in some kind of, like, relationship-y kind of situation until about halfway through, and then I think Hermione and Ron are like, yeah, you guys are dating. Like, that's a thing that's happening. And then Draco's <laughs> like, are we dating? What the <laughs> fuck? And he goes to Harry and he's like, are we dating? And Harry's like, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I've been taking you out to dinner and shit. Like, what is this? And Draco's like, ah! I did not know! Once again! Not uh, aware! I was like, y'all need to, like, have words. Yeah. Uh, Communication is important, friends. Yeah. So they actually decide to, like, be dating, and it's a thing. And, yeah, so the second chapter is mostly them actually being conscious and dating each other, and then trying to figure out what to get each other for Christmas. Oh, uh, well, the best way, so the way that uh, Draco finally tells Harry everything that happened while he was sleepwalking, mm. he brings out his pensive oh, <laughs> next yeah. to his pen, and he's lined up his memories a along the yeah. basin and he's decorating this tree and Harry walks in and is like oh you're decorating the tree without me yeah. and Draco's like you've got some <laughs> you've got some exploring to do yeah you've got some reading that you can get done <laughs> so uh, holler when you're done which is honestly the best way to tell someone everything because you're like I'm not lying to you yeah here's what happened here's exactly what happened <laughs> as I saw it and it actually like goes pretty well like they do have to, like, have a slight conversation about it, and Harry does recognize. He's like, I told you not to tell me this, and, like, this is kind of, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they have that moment of recognition, and I think without that, I would have had a harder time accepting their relationship. Mm-hmm. From there, their relationship does take off pretty fast, yeah. which is, like, very fanfic It's fanfic, yeah. Yeah, but, like, I think that moment helps course correct a little bit of the Mm -hmm. lack of communication on their side because now like everything is out in the open there is no secret there's a lot of clarity it also gives harry some ideas about things that they could do physically in bed to each other (laughs) so you know that's fun yep i cannot underemphasize how smutty this is to you friends i am so sorry i like don't apologize it's really great but i didn't even really notice i I read so much smutty fic that i was like "Uh, this is great so where was this last episode alan you the know, fuck? I, I do not make the rules. If there had been more smutty fic that was good for oh the one I was God. looking for, I would have had more smutty fic. So you mean for the open smut tag? <laughs> you couldn't find some smut? I couldn't find it chapter uh, one or two smut. I mean, I didn't make you pick it chapter two smut. I wanted to talk about it. All right, fine. Anyway, this is real smutty, guys. <laughs> it, yes. I mean, it it's is. great. Looking, thinking about it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess there yeah, is a yeah. lot of smut. No. Um, and- <laughs> Here's the thing. This was also, like, a reasonable amount of smut in my life. This was not, like, more smut than I've read. Right, yeah. It just was like, oh, okay. I guess that's why it didn't, like, strike me as odd, because yeah. I was like, it, like, you, you're making cookies, right? You're making Christmas cookies, and then yeah. you sprinkle some sugar, and the smut is the sugar, and you're just like, Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're just like, okay. Yeah, it's great. I wasn't mad about it. I just was like, <laughs> I can't read this at my desk, is the thing. Amazing. Yeah. So, towards the end, they finally, like, exchange Christmas gifts, and Alan cried. That is the best part! (laughs) It's very cute. (laughs) So, Draco gets actual, like, stuff 
for Harry, like physical items, a lot of it, but they're very, they're both very thoughtful with each other on these Christmas gifts. The one that I remember is Draco making basically a starter set of magical ornaments for Harry. Yeah, it's like family, like ancient family heirlooms for him to put on his tree. Yeah, and he like went and talked to other people like McGonagall and stuff like that and got memories from his parents, like memories of his his parents. His parents' wedding. Yeah, to include as part of it, which is like really profoundly kind and sweet and like and And can we talk about what harry's reaction to that is he's holding it and he's silent and for a moment then he tells draco i'm not in love with you and draco's like okay yeah that's fine i didn't think you would be that's cool but harry's like but i think i will be pretty soon and i was like Yeah, it was just really fun. And then the ones that I remember from Harry is that Harry actually didn't really put much in, like, a box. Like, a lot of his gifts mm-hmm. were not actual physical things. <laughs> he kept telling Draco his gifts before yeah. Draco unwrapped them. Draco's like, wait, Would wait. You stop it. <laughs> stop spoiling my Christmas gifts. Yeah. yeah, he got visitation rights for his mother mm-hmm. to go visit his dad in Azkaban. He was like, you still can't go, unfortunately. Like, I couldn't do everything. Yeah. But your mom can go. Which meant so much to Draco. Yeah. Because oh, that was really hard for him to live with. He got They got each other really thoughtful gifts. And then they were just like, oh my god, we love each other. And then they slept with each other really aggressively. Um, (laughs) That was also part of Christmas. Christmas. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that was a real brief overview of this. But do read this if you are looking for Smutty Smut. (laughs) Or you just really like Dreary where they have to, like, really work some shit out. Because I think that is one of the salient points of this is that they do have to work out their history in a pretty clear way. They don't, like, go crazy into it. But they do have to work through that. And I think Dreary works best when they do recognize that they have a history and they work through it somehow. So this fic was really fun. I wouldn't necessarily... It is a Christmas fic, but it's not like Hallmark. Like, the summary's like, it's like a Hallmark movie. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's like a Hallmark porn. If if Hallmark did porn. (laughs) Yeah, then I would buy it. I would give this like a 3.8. Okay, that's great. I think it was a little gratuitous at times. Sometimes. Excuse me. But I also recognize that, like, to each their own. Really? The old, like, the reason this won out over, like, the other three that were on my, like, maybe pile yeah. was because of, like, the gift-giving scene. Like, at the, uh, uh, yeah. That is a really good like, gift-giving Like, the scene. thoughtful, like, how thoughtful they were. Like, I'm all about the thoughtful gift, you know? Like, yeah. where you listen to when something, to what someone says yeah. or wants. Oh, I'm with you. And then you're just like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. No, I think that's true. There are definitely moments in this fic that are really outstanding, and that's yeah. one of them. Mm-hmm. So. Yay! Yay! Hey, Pipparay. Let's talk about the Christmas fic I sent you. Sure. <clears throat> what what fandom is it, Alan? <laughs> Does anyone want to venture a guess? I guarantee you, you'll guess right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I I every time I look at it, like whenever I look on our on our Excel doc and I see the magicians, I there's still always a part of me that's like, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Here we are again. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. Okay, there's a thing that's happening in the Magicians fandom oh, called the Magicians Hallmark Holiday Extravaganza, <laughs> the MHHE, and it's basically this onslaught of Magicians Quelliot holiday fanfic. You're so living I your have, best life. I cried. <laughs> I was like, I have a plethora of options to choose. So this particular holiday fic is called Hold Me Like a, parentheses, liar, lover does. By Doom Kitty Twenty Five <laughs> and High King Marriott. Marriott, I think. Marriott. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. Because it's, it's a it's actually like a mashup of Margot and Elliot. Ah, uh, which is why I think it's Marriott, but I don't know. Sure, High King Marriott. Yeah. Um, summary: Quentin wants to get his best friend off his back about dating again after his divorce. 
Elliot needs to convince his boss that he's a family man in order to get the promotion that he's been working for. What better way to get what they want than to fake a relationship during the holidays? Rule number one, no catching feelings. What could possibly go wrong? Inspired by the movie The Mistletoe Promise for the magician's Hallmark holiday extravaganza. <laughs> Honestly, I the only gripe with this summary would be I would have switched the Quentin and Elliot order. Because I feel like the yeah. part of this, uh, like Elliot, Elliot's part of the of the promise is a lot more relevant or oh, yeah. it's like bigger than Quentin trying to like yeah. get his best friend off his back. Elliot has much higher stakes yes, in you. the game than Quentin does. Quentin mostly does this to just like kind of uh, like... Because a pretty boy asked him to. Right. And he's like, yeah, it would be nice to not be bothered about being in a relationship for it's a like while. It's like a perk, yeah. Yeah, but it's not crazy. Elliot was like, I need help. Yes. So, yeah, I would agree with that. Have you seen The Mistletoe Promise? Nope. Listeners, write in. Tell us what. Tell us how it compares to the how this fic compares to the mistletoe promise. Have you seen it? No, I'm very curious, but I know it's going to be like straight, and I'm not interested. <laughs> You're like, this is entirely too hetero for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it is Hallmark mm, side eye. So <laughs> okay, so this magician's fic. <sighs> okay, where <laughs> oh, to no. start? Did I break you again? <laughs> um. So. <laughs> I procrastinated again in classic Alan fashion. Alan. I, I literally sent you my New Year's Eve fic yesterday. Yeah, I'm aware. Uh, sorry. It was also not very long. You probably knocked it out in like an hour. I did. Fuck you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was running laundry. And like, I wasn't too worried because I remember you saying like, hey, I went with like simple, fluffy stuff. And I'm like, oh, great. So it's going to be like under 10,000 words. And uh-huh. the New Year's one is. Yeah. Then I looked at this one, 80,000 words. And I banged my head against my work desk. I was like, no. <laughs> No! <laughs> Already looking like I should see my future staying up till 2 a.m. finishing this so fic. So sorry. No, don't be. That's my own fault, but... It's a fast read, though, I think. It did... It was surprisingly, like... Because, you know, sometimes when they're, like, this long and they're, like, multi-chap, I'm, like... I'm having fun, but ev- the whole time I'm looking at, like, the sidebar. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that has not moved. That's, mo- that's moved, like, a millimeter. The sidebar is real. Yeah. Like, it, like I don't know why. It's, like... I'm glad I'm not the only person who does that, because no. I absolutely do that, where I look at it and I'm like, how small is the sidebar, yep, yep, yep. and how fast is it moving? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's almost like a claustrophobic feeling, you're like, I'm never leaving, yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I live here now. You're like, oh god, I'm only halfway through this. <laughs> yep. But um, the way that these authors write, like, it speeds through, like, yeah. you're enjoying it. It yeah. is a fucking Hallmark movie of a, of a mm-hmm. fic. In, you know, keeping with the rest of my holiday choices, I was like, I'm going to find the most holiday of holiday choices I can find for Alan. It was... I'm going to start off by saying I had the best time. Good. It was great. Like, it was watching a rom-com in, you know, fic form with, um, you know, queer people. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was here for it. Yeah. Take that, Hallmark. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) So... Let's. I'm gonna try to just jump through some things. Sure. Um, so Quentin uh, is part owner of a travel agency mm-hmm. in Philly, which is funny because Philly. <sighs> yep. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yep. God. Oh, that's the other thing we should say is a completely alternate universe. There's oh, no yeah. magic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very. There's your AU, AU listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas AU. Very, very AU. <laughs> So yes, he's part owner of this travel agency. He started it and then sold uh, half of his shares. Yeah, in, like part ownership. Part ownership to his wife, Alice. 
mm-hmm. who he then found in bed with his best friend Penny, and now is his ex-wife who runs the finances of his uh, travel agency. And it is a yikes situation <gasps> oh, all around. My, I. I was livid. The yep. whole, I saw red as I was reading. Because so the whole thing is that um, where Quentin kind of opened the travel agency because of his love of fillery and of like imagining traveling to different fantastic places mm-hmm. and so he, this was kind of his dream to be able to help people do that and one of, and the thing he likes best about it is that every holiday season they have this charity program where they send uh however many number of families on all expenses paid trip around the u.s or around the world and like it's he's like seeing the kids faces when they realize they're going somewhere it makes it all worth it and so the thick kind of opens with uh alice cutting his budget in like half and she's yeah. been doing this for a few years now yeah. so this budget is getting smaller and smaller and smaller mm-hmm. and quentin not having like the headspace to properly you know stand up for himself and alice being a total c-word mm-hmm. um but by the way is my favorite swear word but i'm in the presence of a lady so yeah. I, will not... I will punch him in the throat if he says it out loud so <laughs> and it's so infuriating yeah and like heartbreaking because mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about quentin and like how you know he deals with uh, depression and anxiety and all mm-hmm. of that. So that's translated very well into this fic mm-hmm. and seeing it in play when, like, I can't imagine how anyone would react if you had, if you're, you were still business partners with your ex-wife who cheated on you. Yeah. And like your best friend who cheated is also still working there. Yeah. All the, it's like, bad. It is awful. Yeah. Like I, I read that and I was like, this, this can't be a real situation. Like I, my brain could not comprehend the yeah. thinking about that. I think it's also interesting because this is a fic where Alice is not a good person. Mm-hmm. And that, I think the Alice Quentin dynamic from the show is complicated and fic usually complicates it even further <laughs> because that's what fic does. Yeah. I think it's a really thoughtful way of making their their relationship complicated. I don't think it's, you know, villainizing Alice for the sake of villainizing her, which sometimes fic goes down that road because yeah. people are so invested in Quelliot and I get it. Yeah. But this is a very human thing to yeah. go through. And it's heightened, certainly. Sure. It's dramatic. But Grimace. it is fundamentally, like, this could happen in exactly. real life. And it is an interesting thing to then have to tease at and be like, what would this situation be like? Particularly for Quentin, who is so anxious and so, like, sad. <laughs> like, what does, this, what does this mean? Like, what does this look like? Same. Yeah, but it's it's not, you know, Alice isn't evil for the sake of being evil. Right. She also has her own motivations that are given weight. Yes, good, very, very good note. Yeah. I can't see through my anger. <laughs> I know, I know. And I was pissed at her too, but I'm I was short. like, okay, I see. You're just more emotionally mature. Though, you know? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we also find out that his best friend now, Julia, yeah. <laughs> works at the company with him and essentially has followed him from company to company. Yeah, and like has for the whole time. Yeah, and so Julia... already founded it. And so Julia like asks him what's wrong and... Quentin tells her, oh, you know, I just got the budget and we've, we've been, like, cut in half again. Yeah. And Julia's like, leave. Start yeah. a new one. You know, I'll go with you. And Quentin's like, I can't do that. And yeah. He's like, this is my baby. Yeah. And so, right off the gate, the stakes are high and you're like, oh, fuck. I'm good. I have to read this whole thing to know how this resolves. I need yeah. resolution. So we cut to Elliot, who is a lawyer. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm, at Loria Fogg and Associates. Yep. 
Yep, Loria is another land in Fillory. Or not in Fillory, but it's like a neighboring kingdom. Who's Fogg? Henry Fogg is the dean of Breakbills. I see. Uh, Idri is the king of Loria. And associates? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who the associates are. (laughs) Presumably associates are just people. (laughs) Right. So uh, Elliot comes in for a regular day, is heading to his office, and he sees Margot leaning out against the door. Mm -hmm. Margot works there. (laughs) <laughs> and has an office right next to him, which we love. Yep. We stand. I, I live. <laughs> yep. Uh, and Elliot's like, all right, what's with the look on your face? Why are you hovering? He opens the door and there's a candy cane hanging from his monitor. Mm-hmm. And apparently this is some <laughs> fucking nonverbal way of saying, hey, you're being considered for a promotion to partner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, all right, guys. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, an email would have sufficed. Yeah, is that a how, gift basket? <laughs> is that how high-powered lawyers work? This is weird. <laughs> I've got no time for an email. Here's a candy cane. <laughs> yeah, really. And so Elliot is like, oh, shit, this is huge. Because this is something that Elliot has been working for for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so he's very excited. And he asks Margot, who else has gotten a candy cane? And she says, oh, just Poppy. Poppy you know? is... From season three of the show. She's actually played by Felicia Day. Um, She is a dragon hunter researcher person. Um, Basically, she's just kind of crazy. And, like, her and Quentin have a bit of a tryst. And it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a... She she's an interesting character that you really don't need to know a whole lot of background about. She's used a lot in fic as just like a standing kind of like pseudo villain because she's not evil, right. but she's not great. Um, <laughs> it's really it's a whole thing. Okay, yeah, don't need to know all of it. In my head, she was a middle aged dumpy woman. <laughs> oh no, she's Felicia Day. She's beautiful. <laughs> oh, I know. She's, Knowing that it's Felicia Day, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, she's gorgeous, but uh. yeah, she's kind of she's kind of a weirdo. Like it's it, she's an interesting one. She's kind of and she's out after a couple yeah. of episodes. She doesn't really come back. Listen, if it's not Quentin, Elliot, Margot, Julia, Alice, or Penny, in my head, I replace them with stock characters. That's fair. Oh, no, Todd. I love Todd. Yep. Todd, Todd is an experience for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we find out that Poppy is the only other employee at the firm mm-hmm. to have gotten the candy cane. And Elliot is like, fuck. Because Henry really values, like... I don't want to say, like, antiquated, but, like, he's old-fashioned. Yeah, he's very traditional. Traditional, yeah. It really, like, likes the family unit, the look of, like, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Elliot is like, well, Poppy is happily married and I just had a baby. Yeah. I am very single. <laughs> so Very queer. <laughs> uh, yike. <laughs> yeah. This is not going to go well for me. Uh, and this is kind of the beginning of where we see... Like, these two scenes with Quentin and Elliot, their first scenes, really set up the crux of their situation so well Mm -hmm. like i cannot give enough praise to these two authors for how they did this it's wonderful um because we get margo saying like that's all bullshit like even if henry is more old-fashioned and likes tradition you are clearly the better suited one Mm -hmm. and elliot doesn't see that he's just like no i mean i'm in trouble like i'm gonna have to fight twice as hard as sure and it's not fair yeah and it's this whole thing and it's also elliot doubting that he can get there, get through it on merit alone, which yeah. is a very Elliot thing to do. Yeah. Despite the fact that he is like a deeply talented and like capable individual, he's always been like, "Well, I'm a fuck up." So Same. this is very coming from that characterization in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. Next, we see them. Uh, Elliot has just bought a sandwich at a food court. And he's hearing these carolers who apparently are god awful, like, <laughs> and also are like 
accosting people. They are going yeah. up to people who are eating and like just singing in your face <laughs> until yeah. you like give to charity. Have you not experienced no. this? Oh, that is my interaction with carolers every time. Really? Well, I don't want to participate. Leave me alone. <laughs> wow. It's really, really. That's. I thought for bad. sure this was like a, a, no. a like an exaggeration. No, I had a very clear image of my home mall food court in this moment because this has happened to me. Where I'm like, please don't Whoa. do this. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Elliot is hearing these and he's like on his guard like making sure he's not gonna get like cornered and he <laughs> catches sight of them already having cornered someone mm-hmm. and it's this very cute boy named quentin yep and quentin is like ah oh! curled into a ball and he's like please stop please stop please stop <laughs> <laughs> and so elliot being the gentleman he is goes up uh <laughs> and says hey i've been looking for you everywhere honey the sitter called we have to pick up the kids early today and quentin is like excuse me yeah <laughs> like looking at him really confused and elliot just mouths Go with it. And uh, Quentin's like, sure. We better go then? Yeah. <laughs> Very questioning. And that is the beginning of a beautiful something. Yep. Um, <laughs> so they're, they're walking out and Quentin is like profusely thankful to Elliot. And Elliot is like, listen, I've been there. It's yeah. good. Yeah. I think uh, Elliot has said something like that's what uh, fake boyfriends are for. And so Quentin says, if only you could have a pretend boyfriend on call anytime you need one. Mm-hmm. Then realizes what he said. He's like, oh, that's a prostitute. <laughs> like, oh, oh, whoops. Yeah. Um, and that kind of sows the seed in Elliot's mind. So I think it's like the next day or something. And Poppy has been hanging all over Henry. Like, can I get you a coffee, Mr. Fogg? Mm-hmm. Being just totally obnoxious. Yep. What a bitch. <laughs> yep. And Elliot thinks, oh, you know what? Maybe it would be good to have a fake boyfriend on call. Mm-hmm. At the end of their day, like when they separated the day before, Elliot kind of said, oh, same time tomorrow, you know, mm-hmm. like a very, like, yeah. non-committal like, flirty uh-huh. way. Yeah. And of course, Quentin being who Quentin is was like, yeah, I'll be there. You yep. know, and, he's, and so next day, there he is looking at his phone like, well, it's been half an hour, I guess. I am boo-boo the clown. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> so he hasn't eaten a sandwich and he's just looking at the time and being like, all right, I will give him three more minutes. <laughs> so Elliot shows up eventually and they have a conversation where Elliot is like, so listen, I kind of have a proposition. Um, I'm up for a promotion at work. My boss is very traditional. Um, you know, he cares really about like family unit. And I think me being in a relationship would kind of tip the scales in my, like in my way. I would like t- for us to be fake boyfriends mm-hmm. uh, for the holidays. And Quentin's like, um, you know, I'm not good at lying and stuff. And Ellie's like, all right, cool. No worries. And Quentin is like, wait, what? And then in the midst of this conversation, he gets a text message from Julia where she's like, hey, I know you're still not interested in dating, but Katie, who Julia's dating, uh, and I are going out to dinner with Surendra. Uh, you remember Surendra, you know? So you're coming to dinner with us on Friday. Yeah. And Quentin's like, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm so tired. Yeah. And so then he looks up at Ellie and is like, you know, let's do it. Yeah. All fuck right. it. Yeah. <laughs> As a business arrangement, he says, like, firmly. Cut to, there's this thing called the Reindeer Report that uh, Quentin's travel agency does every year in conjunction with, like, a local TV station mm-hmm. where one of their employees goes in to do the weather and kind of map out the best route for Santa to take throughout the U.S. And it's Mm -hmm. really cute. And they plug, like, the charity program and all these other places that you could visit through, Mm -hmm. like, the travel agency. And it's really cute. Uh, Come to find out this year that Alice uh, has hired Penny to do it. Yeah. And Quentin is like, 
why the hell would Penny do it? And Alice answers, he's a model, Quentin. Yeah. And it's like, mm. Yeah. Oh, so angry. Yeah. Uh, but of course, Quentin doesn't do anything. Like, he's like, well, I, I don't want to fight. I'm tired yeah. of fighting. So at, right after having this conversation with Alice, there's a delivery boy that comes with, like, this basket of really nice flowers. And the receptionist, too, has had many uh, gifts sent to her with all the boyfriends that she has. Um, comes up and I was like, oh, yeah, who is it from? And Quentin reads the card and it says, Q, looking forward to our lunch date today. Meet me at the Vietnamese restaurant on, the, on 4th instead of our usual spot, L. Mm-hmm. And he says, Elliot. <laughs> the receptionist is like, Elliot? I don't remember that one. And then Quentin's like, it's for me. Yeah. And she's like, oh. Yeah. And so this is like, it's so cute that this is essentially Elliot's introduction yeah. to Quentin's work. Like, oh, he's seen someone. Yeah. And Julia is like, Excuse me? Yeah. What? What is this? (laughs) Take about eight steps back and explain (laughs) right now. So they meet for lunch, and this is kind of where they iron out all of their terms. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Elliot, bless his heart, has made a contract. Yep. And called it the mistletoe contract. Because he's a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) And Quentin is like, I'm not sure that I feel comfortable with something, signing something that's a contract. And Elliot is like, well, it doesn't have to be a contract. It could just literally be anything else. He's like, uh, promise? Yeah. And so now the mistletoe promise is born. Um, and so they lay down their, like, terms. Essentially, Elliot's is like, I need you to come to some work events. They both need work events, but Elliot's is more heavy-handed. He's like, mm-hmm. we've got an ice skating trip. We've got uh, dinner at my boss's. And then uh, a two or three day <laughs> trip to New York. All expenses paid. But, yeah. you know, we have it'll be like two or three days of schmoozing. Yeah. And Quentin is like, yeah, that's fine. We'll do it. So they sign the contract, or they, sorry, they sign the promise, mm-hmm. um, and set up a date for that weekend to talk through any like rules about like PDA and stuff. So they have like a, a, some time to think about what they wanted to constitute, you know. Mm-hmm. So they go on their date, and they go into a, an Italian restaurant that Elliot has made reservations for. They walk in, and there's Christmas carols playing, and Elliot kind of has a like an attack of, like, anxiety. He's like, I can't do this. I can't go in there. So this is kind of, like, the first glimpse of, like, oh, Christmas is triggering for these two individuals. Mm-hmm. Quentin is like, oh, you know, it'll be fine. Uh, until he realizes that Elliot is actually having a moment. He's like, hey, we could we can go somewhere else, you know? Yeah. And Elliot is like, no, no, no. I said, I said we would do it. Let's go. And he's, like, putting on a brave face and doing that thing. So they sit down. Uh, they place their order. And Quentin states, you don't really like Christmas, huh? And... Elliot, like, notices that Quentin is not judging. He's not like, oh, you don't like Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. It's just very, like, matter of fact. And Elliot kind of, like, feels kind of a safety talking to Quentin about it and says, you know, there's it's never been a particularly happy time of the year for me. There's three particularly terrible years that haunt me. My Christmas ghosts, if you will. Oh. Which is cute for a very sad thing. Yeah, you're like, this is probably (laughs) deeply traumatic, but, like, a cute way of framing your trauma. And Quentin asks, like, oh, well, would you tell me your first ghost? And Elliot, for whatever reason, he doesn't know really himself, but he feels, like, comfortable and tells him that, like, he almost killed a man on Christmas Eve. Yeah, he was like, word vomit! <laughs> yeah. You find out that he was drunk and he pushed, that uh, he got into a fight with this guy and pushed him in front, uh, onto a street right as the bus was coming or something. Yeah. The guy lived and, like, made a full recovery and it's great. Yeah. Well, not great, but he's fine. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Elliot lives with that guilt. Yeah. And Quentin was like, whoa. You know, I, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't, you shouldn't have had to tell me that was a dumb thing to ask. And Elliot's like, no, it, I mean, it's fine. Elliot is surprised that Quentin hasn't run out. Yeah. You know, he's like, wow, he's he, like, he's, he's more concerned over me having overshared than 
about what I just said. What's interesting is that is a reframing of Elliot's actual backstory, where he had uh, telekinetically shoved his bully in high school in front of a bus, and that was how he realized he had magic. Um, so that drama is like reframed in a different way, and it, the results of it are different, but it's... It's always... So the bully died? Yeah. He killed someone. (laughs) No, shouldn't be shocked. Um, And that's how he and Quentin bond at the beginning, because Quentin is struggling with something early on in season one, and he, like... And Elliot was like, we're all fucked up here. And Quentin is like, what are you going to tell me? It gets better? And Elliot was like, no. But I'm telling you, you're not alone. You are not the only one here who's fucked up. That's nice. So that's an interesting reframing of that. And I think... think we skipped the rules part. I can't find it. Yeah. Uh, but I think it happened during the contract signing where basically the only rules were really like like let's keep it light. Let's make it fun. Let's not get too serious. Mm-hmm. Which already in the first date they have broken many of those rules. Yep. So that's great. Uh, I think the PDA thing was like Quentin sets the pace because Elliot is very tactile. Yeah. Which yep. makes sense. The next thing we see is uh, we're back at Quentin's job. Another delivery of chocolates comes and the receptionist delivers it and says, oh, these look delicious. You'll have to tell me where you, oh, sorry, where Elliot got them. Very, making it very clear that she doesn't believe it and that she thinks that he's been mind gifts for himself, which I'm like, this, what? What person on earth would do that? It's like, that's very shitty of you, Finn. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. It's Finn. And so Quentin texts Elliot and he's like, hey, no one believes me at work. Yeah. <laughs> and Elliot is like, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Yeah. And he comes and it's like perfection. Yeah. He shows up. He's like, hi, darling. And like, yeah, yeah, it's really And it's like so charming. He charms the pants off of everyone because of course. Yeah. Um, This is also the first uh, chance for Julia to meet Elliot. And so they make the best out of that, you know? Yeah. Then they go to lunch and after lunch, they walk by this pop-up Christmas market that was around the restaurant they were at because they need to bring like an ornament for the tree decorating party at uh, Elliot's boss's and Elliot asks, oh, so, you know, why, why do you not like Christmas? Why do you hate Christmas? And Quentin is like, well, I used to really love it, actually, but not so much anymore. And Elliot gets the sense that he doesn't, like, doesn't want to go further, so he doesn't push. So considerate. Uh-huh. And Quentin feels kind of bad, because, like, dude overshared about how he nearly killed a guy. Yeah. <laughs> and Quentin's like, I should, I should try harder. I'm going to find the ornament. <laughs> and so yeah. he finds this, like, glass bell with two doves on it. And it's perfect. And it's lovely. It's and Elliot was like, I love you, but shh. <laughs> Not yet. Not <laughs> no. yet. But you can see it. It's, you can see it coming. It's true. It's true. Uh, so then they go to the Christmas tree decorating party. And it's wonderful. And Quentin does really well. Like, he, th- this is another thing. They did really well with Quentin's characterization, where he is very awkward. Mm-hmm. But not painfully. So, yep. like, he's able to pull it together and be awkward in a charming way yeah which i was like thank god yeah. thank you lord and that line is hard to walk yeah and they pull it off and so quentin is kind of going around charming uh everyone and like being this awkward little little duckling and everyone loves him including henry's wife bigby and there's this moment in the, toward the middle where henry does like this whole huge speech thanking everyone and like talking about the history of the company and how it's built on like integrity and honesty and family and stuff. <laughs> and Elliot's just like, Ugh. And Quentin and Elliot excuse themselves to the bathroom to have a moment of like, we're being assholes. We are lying to people. Yeah. And Quentin is like taking it really hard, you know, because he's yeah. a soft boy. Elliot is too, but like is hiding it better. You know, he's, he's a like, soft boy. Elliot's like, I have to do this. Yeah, this is really what have I have choice. to do. Yeah. After the party, the next thing that happens, Elliot surprises Quentin by taking them Christmas tree shopping. And Quentin is like, oh, we're getting a tree for you? And Elliot is like, not for me, it's for you. And Quentin is like, fuck no, that's not going in my house. Yeah. And, you know, again, very painful memories for both of them uh, mm-hmm. for Christmas. 
And Elliot's like, well, you never know. It might be fun. You know, let's go. You know, doing the whole tree thing is supposed to be fun, right? And we're trying to get into the Christmas spirit this year. Let's try actually doing that for five minutes and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So, because this is, again, one of those things where it's not on their contract. It's not stipulated that they have to go do any Christmassy stuff. They're doing this extracurricular. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, we like spending time together. Oh, surprise. wonder why that is. Oh, who knows? Mm-hmm. And uh, Quentin is like, okay, fine. We'll give it a shot. And Elliot is extra as always, like, going around talking about, like, look at the way that the branches fan out and let the foliage and the height and all of this stuff and quentin essentially turns a corner sees when it's like that one yep that one's perfect yep <laughs> ellie's like but yeah okay it's all fine. right fine <laughs> it works uh and they take this really cute like quentin is like we should take like a selfie in front of it right that's the thing boyfriends do yeah uh <laughs> quentin tries taking the selfie and he's like can't get a good angle of both of them and the tree and he's like can you take this with your freakishly long arms <laughs> okay um I may or may not have done the exact same thing with Hale Appleman at Comic-Con. I was like, can you take... Because <laughs> he does have frequently long arms. They're, like, beautiful long arms. But, boy, he's tall. You should so, tell him that. Yeah. Can you I, take this Can you take this picture with your beautifully long arms? Yeah. That may be real creepy. But, like, I, I read that and I was like, that's real. <laughs> <laughs> and so Quentin, like, hugs him and, like... Uh, the picture they end up settling on, or the one that Quentin is like, I, he knows he's going to post or send to Julia, is one where he's hugging Elliot's body, and like mm-hmm. Elliot is like leaning down at the top of his head, and it's the cutest picture ever. Yep. I'm picturing, you know, because yeah. they don't actually include yeah. a picture. They don't have it. Yeah. This would be the moment for uh, artwork. Yes. Um, Fan art, friends. <laughs> get get on it. Yep. Come on. <laughs> Uh, so then they go, they take this tree back to Quentin's and Quentin pulls out his box of Christmas decorations that he has not seen in years. And Elliot asks like, oh, do you have a star or something to go at the top? And Quentin has like a moan. He's like, nope, don't have nothing. Yep. And Elliot's like, oh, okay, cool. Then I guess we're done. Uh, later that evening or late afternoon, they have a snowmaking, snowman making contest from Quentin's work. Uh, and that's the first time that Elliot meets Alice and Penny, mm-hmm. which is deliciously tense. Yep. And I just want to be like, punch him. Yep. Punch him. Just hit him. And then they start having a snowball fight. And eventually Elliot tackles Quentin onto the snow and they're laughing and it's cute. And Quentin looks to the side and sees that Alice is watching and he's like, kiss me. Yeah. And Elliot is like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> and they make out in the snow and uh-huh. I died and went to heaven. Yep. We live. We lived. And that, and that was kind of the first point where Elliot is like, oh, he cute. Yeah. I mean, but no, like, it's not true. He knew he was cute, but it was the yeah. first time where he was like, oh, I felt something. He's like, my feelings might be more genuine than I am allowing myself to think about, but like, hmm. Oh, this was nice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So later that evening, Elliot is dropping Quentin off and Quentin's like, you want to come in for mm-hmm. a night? Mm-hmm. And so they do. And they're having drinks and... I think they're they're a little off kilter because they both felt something, but they're like, uh oh, that wasn't part of the promise. Oh yeah. no! <laughs> How the fake dating trip always yeah. goes. We're just like, oh no, yeah. oh boy. <laughs> and so they're a little off kilter, and Quentin really wants to like make things like okay again between them, <laughs> and so he like pulls out this box from the back of his closet, and he's like, I lied before about not having something, and this is when he tells. Elliot like what happened with Alice and Penny and he says Alice you know used to love being the one to put the star on the tree and so that was like it was just painful to think about 
Also, he found them in bed together on Christmas Eve. Yes. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah. So he was like, so Christmas has been hard. (laughs) Christmas has been not great. Yeah. So Quentin pulls out the star and puts it at the top of the tree and he's like, you know, I haven't had a tree since since that day, but I I like, I would like to be the one to put the star on now. And it's Mm -hmm. this whole moment of like Quentin really reclaiming Christmas as his own and like Mm -hmm. reclaiming even just this small thing. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. And stepping back into his life. Yeah. And being like, nope, this is mine. Next thing, we see Quentin uh, stepping out of the elevator at Elliot's building and with a basket of gingerbread cookies that Julia made, but Quentin helped. (laughs) (laughs) But Quentin is going to take credit for it, (laughs) goddammit. Yep. Comes in, the perfect boyfriend ready to surprise his boyfriend at work, realizes, I don't know where I am. (laughs) I don't know where his office is. Uh Uh-oh. Henry comes up and he's like, hey, thanks for coming. It was really lovely to meet you. And like, you know, it was lovely for you to come and we loved having you. Big B, like, loved you. And Quentin is like, oh, you know, thank you, um, Bigby, and you were perfect hosts. And then Elliot, like, comes out of nowhere and is, like, heading straight towards him. And he's like, hey, I didn't know you'd be here. What's, like, what are you doing here? And Quentin tells him, oh, you know, I have gingerbread cookies that I made. Wink. (laughs) (laughs) I, asterisk, made. (laughs) And so they have this whole moment where, like, Elliot is staring fondly at Quentin. And Quentin is, like, staring dreamily up at Elliot. And Henry's like... Well, I'll leave you to it. Yeah. I'll just take a few of these gingerbread uh, home. And, you know, lovely to see you. Hope to see you at the ice skating rink tomorrow. So they go to Elliot's office and Quentin is like, I can't really stay for very long. I, I just wanted to drop these off. I have to go back and finish my work because I had, I spent all morning arguing with Alice about, uh, you know, who's going to do the reindeer report. And Elliot is like, the what? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? And so Quentin explains the whole thing with Penny and Alice and the reindeer report. And Elliot is like, oh, well, maybe he'll surprise you. <laughs> and Quentin's like, mm, I don't know. We'll see. Margot walks in and is like, oh, this is adorable. And Quentin's like, yeah, well, I'm sorry. I can't stay. I need to go. And Margot's like, oh, I'll walk you to the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> and Elliot says, bye, lover. As he leaves, <laughs> which is adorable. And as they're walking, like, Margot has this moment where she's like, if you break your heart, like, I'm going to cut you up into tiny pieces that no one is ever going to find. Yeah. And Quentin is confused because Margot is the one other person besides Elliot and him that know that this is a contract. This is fake. Yeah. And he's like, but this is fake. And Margot's just like, I said what I said. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> and Quentin's like, ah. Uh, Okay. So then the next thing is they're at the ice skating rink with uh, Elliot's job and Quentin is having a full on like moment of like, uh uh-uh, this is not going to be great. I'm going to fall so much because he's never ice skated before. And Elliot is, of course, perfect at it, which is great. And they have this moment where like, you know, Elliot is holding his hand and holding his arm and like, before you know it, Quentin is skating with everyone and it's great. So cut to the day right before the Ranger Report is uh, going to be filmed. And Quentin and Alice are having it out again. Quentin is like, does he know the script? Like, has he? have you seen him rehearse it? He's so monotone. How are we supposed to advertise the company and the charity program if he is just going to be super monotone and have no holiday cheer? And Alice is like, "It's he's going to look great and it'll be fine. Also, one other small thing, we're not promoting the charity this year. Mm-hmm. And Quentin is like, what the fuck do you mean? Mm-hmm. And that's like... Like, oh, knockdown! So angry. Yeah. Like the one thing he loves about his company that he's built at Alice is like, we're not doing that shit. Yeah. So, Reindeer Report. Not we're not talking about the charity. And Quentin is devastated. Yep, he is pissed. Uh, Elliot walks in and 
And Quentin's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, Penny and I are going out for a drink. You know, I figured I could give him some tips about, uh, you know, being on TV or, like, talking with confidence and stuff. And Alice and Quentin are like, uh, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> yeah. And Penny is like, yeah, bye. And so yeah. they leave. And Alice and Quentin are left with, like, so much confusion. Yep. Same as me, truthfully. So <laughs> next day, they're they're at the studio. Penny goes up, is in front of the camera, starts talking, is monotone, realizes it's monotone, tries to inject some Christmas cheer, sounds sarcastic, and then says, oh, you know what, fuck this. Tears off his mic packet, drops it on the floor, and walks out. Leaves. And everyone is like, what? Uh, <laughs> like, Alice literally says, shit. Yeah. Which also, like, Alice, what the fuck? Yeah. Some common sense, you dumb any yeah. whom you could have seen this coming like even if it wasn't the, even if it was to stick it to quentin like this is this half this is half of your company too right you want the you want to put a best foot forward anyway anyway so <laughs> uh and so the news anchor or the director of the station is like oh, fuck all right let's cut back to the reporter i guess and ellie says hang on quentin you do it you know the script like the back of your hand and Quentin is like, Oh, I yeah. cannot do it. Yeah. I am a nervous boy. <laughs> I am a shy boy who does not wish to be seen. Correct. And Elliot is like, like has this moment where he's like, you can do this. Yeah. Get and, your shit together. You know, and, and he do like it. clips the mic pack for Quentin and pushes him out there. And Quentin is like deer in headlights in front of the camera for a moment. Looks through the two way, like the glass into the, where Elliot is standing, sees like how much faith Elliot has in him. And then he starts. He starts a little shaky, but he does it. And he's so good. And you can yeah. see, like, the passion that he has for what he does. And he memorized it with the charity program in mind. Yeah. So he, like, it just slipped out, like, yeah. part of the routine. And, you know, it's not his fault that fucking Alice didn't wait, wait until the day before to tell him that there was going to be a change. Yeah. So. And he's also, like, not sad about it. Not at all. Yeah. It's amazing. And there's this beautiful moment where he runs up to Elliot and, like, hugs him. And he's, like, shining with how proud he is that he was able to do that. Yeah. And you are, like, I'm in tears. And I'm, like, oh, my gosh. Oh, precious baby. baby. Yeah. And then Alice is there and is obviously pissed. And was like, you you and your boyfriend did this to sabotage it. Like, and you talked about your stupid fucking charity program. And she's pissed. Yeah. And Quentin is, like... It's not my fault. You Like, I told you Penny could not do it. Yeah. Quentin's like, eat shit, Alice, basically. Yeah. And Alice storms off. And then Qu- Quentin has to ask Ellie, like, you actually didn't do anything to, like, sabotage him. And Ellie's like, no, I honestly did not. I was trying to help. You know, right. I really, like, you've helped me so much with all of my work events. And I just wanted to be able to give you something substantial. Right. So I, I just taught him a little bit about confidence and stuff. But I guess it didn't really take yeah he's like it either didn't take or i fucked it up and didn't realize like right. basically he's like i'm so sorry like I, this was not my intention yeah. by any means like i know this is bad actually yeah so you're like okay good <laughs> so after that to celebrate like quentin wants to grab a drink with julia and elliot and they have a gale time and julia mm-hmm. and elliot really hit it off and they're really friendly and quentin is happy and we're all happy yeah it was the best time <laughs> And in the classic fanfic slash rom-com. And you know that it can't last. (laughs) Right after the highest high comes the lowest low. Yep. (laughs) So. So Alan cries for about 20 years. Oh, so Quentin's at his office the next day and he's like, (laughs) he's very still like riding the high of like not only doing the reindeer report, but also of Elliot and Julia really liking each other and Mm -hmm. him realizing that he really likes spending time with Elliot 
Um, when out of nowhere, outside of his office, he hears a loud, oh my God. And then two seconds later, Julio walks into his office and says, so we're going to talk later about how you lied to me. But before then, you might want to decide to work from home for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And Quentin is like, what are you talking about? And she's like, oh, you must be the only one who didn't get the email. And she pulls out uh, her phone and shows it to him. And it's from the agency's admin email address. It, it was sent like, as an, like an all staff. And there's nothing on the subject line or in the body of the email, but there was an attachment and it was named the mistletoe promise, yeah. which is the digital version that Elliot sent Quentin, you know, as a formality after they had right. signed it. So basically everyone at Quentin's job now knows that their relationship is a sham. Yeah. And it's very clear that, you know, there's only like two people who would have access to like the company's email server to find yeah, out who. Like his email specifically. Right. And he's like pissed. Yeah. He like. Rightfully so. Storms yeah. over to Alice's office and he's like, you hacked my emails. And she's like, you shouldn't be using your email accounts for personal matters. And he's like, you don't give a shit what I use my email for. This is about yesterday. This is about you. And, like, he talks to, he points to Penny. Oh, my God, I'm so angry. Yep. And he points to Penny and he's like, this is about you not being able to get your head out of your ass for long enough to give a shit about something other than yourself. And then you fucked us all over TD because you were unprepared. Mm -hmm. And Penny is like, no, like, I would have been prepared if your boyfriend didn't pull me away from the afternoon to distract me. Yeah. Oh, but wait, he's not really your boyfriend, is he? Yeah, and it's real petty. (laughs) It's, like, I was so angry. And so Penny was like, so you started this asshole. (laughs) And Quentin says, I think you were kind of the asshole first when you slept with my wife. Oh, snap! And that, like, Penny, like, reels back. And Alice also is like, oh, shit. Yeah, like, this is about to get real. (laughs) And then Quentin, like, loses his anger and is just left with, like, all, like, he's exhausted and disappointed. And he's like, you know, we were friends once. We were married. We loved each other. Like, why does it have to be this? And neither Alice or Penny can look him in the eye. Yeah. And he, he's done. He walks out. He grabs his stuff and he leaves. Yeah. Um, and so he had a, a lunch date. So we, we cut to Elliot, who's really excited to see Quentin for lunch because they have a lunch date set up. Yes. Elliot is now waiting for him at lunch. And he was late already, like, mm-hmm. because he got caught up in a meeting. And he didn't see Quentin. So he's like, oh, what's happening? He gets a text message from Quentin saying, I can't make it. Sorry. And Elliot is trying to grapple with, like, okay, what is a casual way to be, like, are you okay? Right. And he's, like, caught up at work. <laughs> and Quentin says, I just can't do it. And then Elliot is, like, uh-oh, are yep. you okay? Yeah, what's happening? <laughs> yep. And doesn't hear back. Ah! And he, like, has this whole, like, his whole day is, like, focused around, like, being so worried about Quentin and wanting to be there for him. But... Like, understanding that they're, like, it's not a real relationship. He can't do that. And Margot tells him, you know, just, you know, you can't leave for another afternoon. Like, not when you're trying to get a promotion. Stick your head into your work and, like, deal with it after. And that's yeah. what he does. And he, like, you know, gets home. Still has not heard back from Quentin. He's like, I'm going to call him. Calls him. Gets his voicemail. Calls, like, Julia. But, so what happens is he gets home. He's, like, all depressed. Which, uh, this entire part... Too relatable. I yeah. was like, this is too relatable. Um, he gets, to, he finally gets a response from Quentin that says, sorry, I'm okay. I just need a minute. Yeah. And Elliot is like, do you want me to come over? Like, mm-hmm. all care to the wind. He's like, I want it. Like, he wants to be there and, like, yeah. make sure he's okay and, like, comfort him. And <laughs> Quentin replies, 
Yeah, so that's the exact opposite of giving me a minute. But that would be nice, actually. But yes, please. <laughs> yeah. And so Elliot is, like, grabbing his stuff, and he's almost out the door when he gets another text message from Quentin that says, hold on, Penny's here. I'll text you after. Yeah. And Elliot's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Penny? <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Quentin, and Penny is at his house. He brought a six-pack of beer. Mm-hmm. Penny has come to apologize mm-hmm. for what he did to Quentin and for being cruel to him for years just for the sake of being cruel and he like it's very like quentin talks or thinks a lot about how penny and him have always had this kind of relationship where penny has a hard time expressing his feelings Mm -hmm. so he knows how much this means like for penny to do this and penny like apologizes and and they really hash it out they do like penny apologizes and says you know i think the reason that i've been cruel to you just for the sake of being cruel is because i couldn't I couldn't think about what I had done. I couldn't live with the fact that I had hurt you the way that I did. Yeah. And it's this really, like, ow moment where you're yeah. like, shit. Because on one hand, you don't, like, I, at least as a reader, for me, like, I hold grudges. Yep. And it's very hard for me to just be like, yeah, that's fine. You know, this was, this is huge. Granted, it's yeah. been a few years, but, like, every day of torment of, like, taking over my company, of not letting me do the things I want to do... But, you know, Quentin is a good boy. He's a yeah. he's a soft boy, and he's, like, he's just tired of fighting. And he's, like, yeah, let's let go of the animosity. and Let's, let's try to move forward. Let's move forward, yeah. Nothing is, like, we're not going to be best friends again. No, yeah. But, like, let's move forward with this. Yeah. Ugh. So we got back to Elliot, who has started to drink whiskey by the cup. He's, like, the clip, clip. He's trying. Something that I thought was done really well in this is that... They don't, like, outright talk about Elliot's, like, uh, substance abuse with alcohol, which we all know is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can tell a lot in the way that he he acts around alcohol. So, like, the first part of it says Elliot had poured another two fingers of whiskey and brought the glass to his lips before he remembered that his last glass was going to be his last one. Mm-hmm. Which is just, like, a very subtle way to, like, acknowledge this is something that he has to be conscious of. Yeah. And I thought that was, like... Yep. Wonderful. Well done. Uh, so it's been two hours of him not watching Netflix and just, like, drinking and trying to, like, take the edge off. And he has called Julia to, like, ask, you know, and told him, you know, Penny's there. What's happening? Do you know anything? Eventually, he gets a phone call from Quentin. And he's like, Q, what happened? So now Elliot knows that everyone at Quentin's job knows. And so they have this whole phone conversation where Quentin tells him, you know, like, I'm so sorry. And, like, I've had a really rough day. And you know, what happened now, and I I feel so bad about lying to Julia. And Ellie's like, well, I talked to Julia, and she's going to be okay, give her time. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be okay. And so Quentin tells him why Penny came over to apologize and, like, try to make amends and move forward. And Elliot is like, well, do you believe him? Mm-hmm. And Quentin says, I want to, you know? Yeah. I want to move forward. <laughs> it's so nice. And he's like, I don't know that I can trust him, but I just... Like, what do I have to lose from giving it a shot? Yeah. Anything is better than what we've been doing, right. basically. And Quint- Elliot asks, are you okay? <laughs> and Quentin says, I think so. I just think I need to sleep for about five years. Um, at least the flight isn't too early tomorrow. And so the- they fly out to New York for the final trip tomorrow. Yeah. And Elliot is, like, in shock that Quentin still wants to come because now... Quentin is getting nothing, absolutely nothing. In fact, he's going to be a laughing stock when he comes back to work on Monday. Right. So Elliot is like, you don't have to come, you know? It, like, 
if today's been so terrible, like, it's fine if you want to stay home. Like, I'll, I'll think of something. Yeah. And Quentin says, I'm going. Like, I said yeah. I would, and I want to do something good for someone else, even mm-hmm. if I can't manage to hold it together for myself. Yeah. And he's like, I want to go. They get to New York. Uh, they go to their suite, and it's wonderful. And yeah. it's big. It's one bed, which yep. Quentin did not think about, <laughs> despite the fact, like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. We would have one bed as a couple. I live... For, the there's one only bed one trope. bed. <laughs> the there's one only bed one bed. I don't care how many times I read it. Every time I go, there's only one bed. <laughs> and there's always the like expectation, of, like, are they gonna cuddle? What's gonna happen? Yeah, they're like, oh, we're gonna start on separate sides of the bed, and then minute like, and then it ends up being like, you know, octopus of affection. And I'm just like, every time, it's the same every time. And every time I'm like, oh, they're cuddling. <laughs> there's one bed. It is delightful. Yeah. So they have a, they have an event that night, and so they're getting ready. And Quentin is really nervous. And, you know, he's in a very vulnerable state with all of it that has just happened. Uh, he, and he's trying very hard to... So at this point, Quentin has also started to... Elliot pretty much knows that he loves Quentin. Yeah. Quentin is still kind of oblivious about it. And has started to notice that he enjoys Elliot's company and likes the way Elliot looks. Yeah. As evidenced by Elliot coming out in just a towel. Yeah. And Quentin, like, having to lean over the sofa to look closer. Yeah. being like, hmm. Ooh, interesting. Uh, so they're getting ready. Uh, Quentin is ready. And he hears a soft curse from the bathroom. And he's like, are you okay? Walks in to see that Elliot is having trouble tying his tie. And he says, need some help. And Elliot is like, I know how to tie a tie. <laughs> and Quentin says, I know you probably know how to tie this 20 different ways that I don't. But let me do it anyway. Yeah. Let me help you. And you're just like, oh, God. It's so, it's so soft. Yeah. So soft. And it's a really nice moment to kind of ground them. And Elliot brings out a gift that he has for Quentin. And there are these cufflinks in the shape of ram's heads, mm-hmm. which apparently uh, are they're not designed to be fillery themed. But Quentin is touched. Yeah. Like, to he say the least. Yes. <laughs> to, to have someone, like not only know about his obsession with, like, the, like, fantasy series, like, children's fantasy series, but, like, to have someone thoughtfully pick a gift out for that. Yeah. Well, incredible. it means he had to know enough about the series to recognize that it was meaningful, which means right. he has taken an interest in Quentin's interests. Yeah. So at the at the mixer, Elliot is really having a hard time because he knows he loves Quentin, knows that Quentin is just, you know, faking it for the, for the, for the laughs and... Also now is feeling really guilty about the fact that he's putting Quentin through all of this and lying to everyone in, in his job. So he's having a he's having a time. Yeah. Quentin is his usual charming self. And so they're they're at this mixer and every and someone asks him, like, what does Christmas mean to you? Mm. And Elliot is triggered again. Yeah. Christmas ghosts. And Quentin saves him by saying, Why don't you tell him that story about those friends of yours who met in the mall? Yeah. And Elliot goes into the story about how they started fake dating for something and then they fell in love. And it's this, like, moment of, like, oh, oh no. Yeah. And then Bigby comes over and is like, that was you, wasn't it? Yeah. And Elliot and Quentin were like, oh. And finally Quentin is like, last year. Yeah, that, that was us last year. And here we are now. Yeah, you're in. <laughs> delightful and definitely for real dating. Yeah. And Bigby is like, over the moon, and she's like, I can't believe you hit him away from us for a whole year. Yeah. And it's, uh, breaks your heart. Yep. So they leave the party, <laughs> and Elliot is like, let's walk. 
That's why the hotel's not too far from here. And Quentin says, like, it is snowing, sir. <laughs> it is cold and dark. <laughs> but he does it anyway because he's, he's a good boy. Yep. Top boy. Because he likes Elliot. <laughs> yep. And so they walk around the corner and there's this carriage that looks like straight out of a fillery fantasy world. And, of course, Elliot has already prepaid for it. And yeah. It's so sweet. And they take yeah. this carriage right back to the hotel. It's snowing. It's beautiful. And Quentin is a little cold, so Elliot puts his arm around him and they're leaning on each other. They have this really charged moment where they look at each other and it's, like, clear that the next thing that should happen is a kiss. Yeah. And Quentin looks away. Yeah. Quentin bails. Yep. And Elliot is like, see, he doesn't want you. Yep. That's proof enough. But in Quentin's brain, it's like... We did not agree to this. Yeah. I do not want to push him. He is a good boy. He's yeah. following the rules that yeah. set out. He's like, I should not do this, even though I want to. <laughs> so they get back to their hotel room, and as they're getting ready for bed, Quentin realizes, like, again, the one bed problem. He's like, I could sleep on the floor, or the couch looks like it's big enough. Yeah. <laughs> and Elliot is like, or I know how to keep my hands to myself. And so they are sharing this bed, and... Apparently, neither of them packed shirts to sleep in, so they just have pajama bottoms. they did not think about this. I was uh, like, come on. Or they did think about this. Yeah, or it was a plan. Yeah, so they're laying in bed. Neither of them can sleep. And Elliot is kind of turned over to look at Quentin. And then he feels like a knee against yeah. his knee. Yeah. And then he feels some fingers on his forearm, and you're like, oh. And then Quentin, like, kisses him. Yeah. <laughs> and then they fuck. Yep. <laughs> it escalates very quickly. Very Quickly and very oh quick. my god, so good, yeah, so good. Oh, it's fantastic, and it's like the perfect amount of like smutty with like actual feelings. Yeah. And like, you can tell, like, Quentin is in love with him, and Elliot's in love with him. And I yeah. think, like, they, they say something to that effect of like, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, I've actually really liked you this whole time, yeah. Like, oh, the, yeah, they mentioned at one point, like, Elliot is like, I wanted to kiss you on the carriage, yeah, and Quentin says, I wanted you to, yeah. And and Elliot's like, oh, boy, okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So the next morning. I live for a morning after. Fuck you. I do. I no, really do. You. I think they're great. Fuck you. God, they're so angsty. Oh, I hate you. So I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. I got to this chapter and I was pissed at you all over again. I was like, you've got to stop sending me shit that's going to break my heart. <laughs> I can't. Like, why? Magician's fandom. I get it. We're hurt. I understand. <laughs> I it. Yeah. But it like, come on. Why can't we ever just have some fluffy shit? Like, there's always like a moment that breaks my heart. There's always like Quentin doubting something and hurting Elliot and Elliot being really hurt and then ah uh, the misunderstandings but it always resolves in the end oh fuck off I have to read another 10,000 <laughs> words before I got there it was 1am Aaron <laughs> yay you were here it's fine oh my god any whomst so the next morning uh, Quentin wakes up in Elliot's arms and like it's very clear that Elliot is like in cloud nine and Quentin goes to the bathroom to take a shower and in the shower has like a whole panic attack where he's like, yep. oh, I love Elliot. And it's like, yeah, buddy. Welcome. Yep. Welcome to where we have been for the last six chapters. Yep. Oh, my God. And so he has this moment where like, this is where Quentin's actual like anxiety and like comes into play where he, you know, has that moment of like, what if I'm not good enough? You know, what yeah. if? after we're done impressing his bosses, after he gets this promotion, he gets bored with me. Like, what if I get yeah. hurt again? And so he makes the decision to throw up walls and be yeah. like, I can't do this. And so yeah. he comes out of the bathroom and Elliot is like, 
you know, all sexy with an open row and like yeah. in the covers. Like, good morning. Yeah, but he's like, I thought we could order room service before we have lunch in a few hours, or we have time enough for. Yeah. And that's when kind of just like, I can't do this. Yeah. I'm sorry. And Elliot breaks. Yeah. He like shuts down and he's yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah, Quentin self sabotages and it causes a significant amount of collateral damage. It is devastating and I have never forgiven you. I'm so sorry. Um, but I'm not because it's great. <laughs> And so they're getting ready to go to the to the last event of their of their promise, which is this lunch, where they announce who is going to be partner. And Elliot has shut down completely, where he's not even looking at Quentin, and Quentin is, of course, grappling with like loving Elliot and not wanting to get hurt, mm-hmm. and also not wanting to lose Elliot and ha- wanting things to be the way they were before, which is like, never going to happen. People, yeah. a, like it's not anyway. Yeah. And Quentin tells him, "You should tell them, yeah, that this is fake." <laughs> and that gets only its attention. He's like, excuse me? Yeah. And Quentin says, you know, you should get this because you deserve to. And you do deserve to. Yeah. Um, And that's really big for Elliot to have someone see all of the bad things about him and still believe in him. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Yep. So they're at the lunch. And Elliot is like reeling from everything that has happened in the last 24 hours. Yes. Good boy. <laughs> And so Bigby turns to Elliot in the middle of the lunch and asks, what about you, Elliot? Have you ever thought about being, like, getting married? And then mm-hmm. turns and winks very obviously at Quentin. Mm-hmm. And this is when Elliot, like, can't hold it back anymore. And he's like, you know what? Actually, Quentin and I didn't meet last year. That was this year. This has been, like, fake. I've been deceiving you. Um, I asked him to come with me so that you wouldn't think less of me because I wasn't in a relationship. Um, and 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 Idri asks him, well, why are you telling us this now? And Elliot says... Because I deserve to be made partner because of my work, not because of whether or not I'm in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I fought hard for every step in my career, despite the setbacks that I've had, despite coming to the city with nothing. I'm proud of the life that I've built, the career that I've built, with your help. And he's like, and you know that I'll be a valuable asset to a firmest partner if you just let go of the ideal that families and marriages are the only way to promote goodness. And more importantly, I know that. Mm-hmm. And it's... Oh, this is so satisfying in, like, a different way from how Mm -hmm. Quentin, like... Because Quentin had that moment where he, like, really stood up for himself and, like, Mm -hmm. to Alice and Penny, and you're just like, yes, fuck him up! And this is a a moment where Elliot stood up for himself, like, he believed in himself, and you're just like, yes, baby, you're beautiful and everything you do is great. Yep. And you were like, and it's also such a triumph for, like, queer people. <laughs> yes! It's a moment of not just Elliot winning. That's true. You know? And, like, I, I felt so validated. You're right. I was you're like, right. you're right, Elliot! <laughs> we're all good. We're good eggs. <laughs> and he's like, and I've never met anyone as brave and kind-hearted as Quentin. Um, and Quentin says, I'm so sorry for lying to you, to, to all the people that he's met. And then starts to, like, have a moment. And he's like, I, I need to not be here. This is a business meeting. I'm so sorry. And he runs out. Yeah. And Elliot is like, whoa, 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 wait, what, what, hang on. Yeah. And, like, starts to run after Quentin, looks back at the table, realizes that there's nothing that he wants more than to be with Quentin, mm-hmm. and so he runs out of the lunch meeting. Yeah. Uh, stops him in the lobby, and, you know, they have this whole moment where Quentin is like, what are you doing here? Go back inside. And Elliot says, no, I'm not going without you. Are you okay? And Quentin's, like, sobbing, and he's like, I'm so sorry, like, I, 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 it's not okay, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I broke the contract and fell in love, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And that's when, El- that's all Elliot hears, because he's like, love, 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 love. <laughs> he's like, excuse me? Yeah. And so, he's like, Quentin, like, literally, literally he's about to say, I love you, and Henry comes in and is like, hey, 
we need you inside. Like, yeah. Adri wants you to be there. And, like, if and if I stand any chance of convincing him that you should be partner, you need to be in there. Mm-hmm. Which is when, you know, it's revealed that Elliot is the favorite to make partner. Yeah. And Quentin is like, go, I'm leave- Like, I'm leaving and uh, yeah. I'm going to catch the flight home. I'll see you, like, see you around. Yeah. And Elliot is like, wait, 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 no, 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 please don't go home. And Quentin is like, I, I can't, you know. Yeah, bye. I got to go. Yeah. Bye. And so... Yeah, and Quentin goes home. Yep, goes home. Um, goes to his office. Uh, talks to Julia about everything, and he's like, "I'm so sorry about lying to you." And she's like, "You know, I'm, I'm still angry at you, but I I'm sorry for what you've gone through." And like tells him that he slept with Elliot and that he's in love, and mm-hmm. and he's like, "I threw up my walls because I'm afraid of being hurt." And Julia tells him, "Well, like, it, but isn't it worth it? You know, mm-hmm. to to have the shot." And Quentin is like, you know, you're right. And I'm going to call him. Pulls out his phone. It's dead. Yep. <laughs> and Julie asks, do, do you have your charger? And Quentin is like, nope. Remembering he left it plugged into his bedside table at the hotel. Yep. And I'm like, too relatable. Yep. He's like, yeah, I've done that. <laughs> He's like, so uh, I'm going to go home so I can charge this and I can call him and tell him I love him. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yes, go, go. This is the part of the rom-com movie where everyone's like, go, yeah. go. Yeah. And so they're packing up and they're about to leave. Julie's going to give him a ride. Uh, when Alice's office opens and you realize that Alice was there and was eavesdropping and everyone's like, uh-oh. Yeah. And Alice is like, can I talk to you? And Quentin is like, yeah, sure. Because he's, mm-hmm. you know, he has this moment of like, he's flying on the wings of love. Yep. So he meets with Alice and Alice essentially is like, you know, I am sorry for what happened between us and I am sorry for how it's been between us at work. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to sell my share of the company back to you at the price that I bought it for. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is big because the company has grown since she yeah. bought in. Right. So this is like a real, like... Yeah, it's a very selfless offer in a lot yeah. of ways. And Quentin is like, are you sure? Like, I don't want you to, like, leave if it's, like, just for my sake. And Alice is like, no, I, I want to move and build something of my own. Yeah. Which is really great. And I think... Maybe not necessarily a redemptive moment, but it's like a step in the right direction. It's a step towards redemption. Not only like the cheating, yes, but also I think it's like four years of this mm-hmm. has gone on of like slowly sleeping away at Quentin's job and like mm-hmm. all the things that he loves. So that is truly unforgivable. And she owns up to it the same way the Penny does. Is like I couldn't, it was the way I could cope, you know, yeah. with what I had done, which is yeah. a shitty thing to do, but she's acknowledging it and yeah. it's a step in the right direction. Yep. So that's great. Uh, and Quentin is like, Thank you, and yes, let's talk about it on Monday. So that's what's going to happen. Uh, we cut to Elliot, who is standing outside of Quentin's home while it's snowing. Uh, he hasn't been able to reach Quentin because his phone is dead. Yeah. And so he's talking to Margo, and he's like, well, you're either going to have to send a care package or a rescue squad. Yeah. Because I'm not leaving this spot until I've talked to Quentin. Yep. Eventually, he sees Quentin walking up to his house, to his driveway. Quentin sees Elliot. A smile breaks out on his face. They run to each other. And Quentin's like, what are you doing here? I thought you weren't getting back till tomorrow morning. And Elliot's like, well, after they announced that I got the promotion, yeah. uh, I went to the hotel, packed up, and got the next flight here. Yeah. And Quentin's like, you got it. Congratulations. This beautiful moment where he's so proud. And and more importantly, they, like, you know, they confess their love for each other. And they say, you know, and Quentin specifically is like, you know, I'm, I'm scared, but I want to try yeah. with you. I want to try with us. Yeah. And it's beautiful, and that's the end of the chapter. And then the next chapter is Christmas Day. They wake up Christmas Day. This is, like, five days since they confessed their love, and they have essentially been in bed and done nothing else, which is wonderful. Um, All anyone really wants. Truly. 
Quentin wakes up before Elliot does, takes a shower, uh, l- looks through his Merry Christmas text messages and has one from Alice that just says Merry Christmas, Quentin. Yeah. And, you know, very sweet moment where it's like, you know, maybe they'll be okay someday. Yeah. Uh, then it ends with some smut. Yep. And it's wonderful. And it's great. Jesus Christ, I need to stop <laughs> But it's such a good story. Why is it always... Do you notice that it's always the same two fandoms for us? Like... It's always Harry Potter for mine. It's always the Magicians for yours where we just go on and on and yep. on. Christ. Yep. But it's so good. Well, I, I wonder if it's because those worlds are so detailed that it's easy to get caught up in the like minutia of stories. It's true. And it's like, it's just so well written and there's yeah. so many parts in it that are beautiful. And I think this one in particular, there was so much happening, but it was also like so quick. So I love this fic. Yay! It was wonderful. Good. So good. Keep people right. Yes. What would you rate it? I would give it, I think, like a 4.8. That's so high. I (gasps) really, really liked it. Good. Like, I, like, this is going to win. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So are you ready for the, for the averages to reset next year? No. No. (laughs) Say goodbye to your two fives and 4.8. No, that's not how this works. It's a cumulative GPA. (laughs) I don't think so. Um, yeah, but this is really well done. I am so surprised, not surprised, I read a lot of Christmas fic, and a lot of it, the problem I had with, uh, in today's episode of uh, Alan Tries to Find Fic, yeah. <laughs> um, the problem with trying to find Christmas or New Year's really fix was that holiday fic is such a strong thing, and most fics have like a Christmas moment, and then they have a New Year moment, but there's never yeah. straight up like all Christmas. Yeah. And I thought this did that really well. I was in the Christmas spirit a lot. They did a lot of the like holiday things, snowman, ice skating. Oh yeah. Uh warm drinks. The one thing they didn't have was gift exchanging. And that would have that would have Yeah. That would have made it a That's the point too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have done it for me. Like because something about like seeing what people get for each other. Perfect. We've been doing the chef's kiss a lot. You know, it's fine. (laughs) Hooray! Very good. All right. All right. New Year's Eve. <laughs> New Year's Eve. Shifting gears. Please, you do the one I sent you because I need a moment. Okay. So, Alan sent me. <laughs> I'll give you three guesses, friends, and the first two don't count. I will not take this <laughs> judgment from someone who literally sent me the same two fandoms they did last episode. I know. <laughs> who I am as a person. Listen, I figured it's the end of the year. I'm just gonna go with some fandoms that I like. Be glad it wasn't Naruto. I was on a Naruto kick for like a month. Oh, that's fair. Okay, cool. So, Alan sent me a fic that is called Made to be Broken by Yahtzee. <laughs> Congrats, Yahtzee. Yep. It is an X-Men fanfic <laughs> between Eric Lencher and James McAvoy. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> James McAvoy. It's Charles Xavier. It's James McAvoy. <laughs> It'll always be James McAvoy to me. It is uh, a four-part alternate universe modern setting, no powers fic. Mm -hmm. The summary is, Charles makes a New Year's resolution. No more straight men, Charles repeated as he began scrolling through the apartment directory for Emma's name. No more futility. No more pointless hoping and heartbreak. In 2013, I never want to hear the words exception, experimenting, or phase. If, God forbid, I hear by curious even once, I may take a hostage. Then he goes into the party and Eric is there. Wow. What a summary. (laughs) So the story starts at Emma Frost's New Year's Eve party, which is apparently a traditional thing that Charles and Raven, his sister, go to every year. Mm -hmm. And every year he looks forward to seeing Eric Lencher there because Eric is a beautiful, beautiful man. (sighs) 
gorgeous. And as they are, as uh, Charles and Raven are approaching the party, Charles is like, I'm so done with this, like, dating bullshit. I am so over straight men using me as their experiment, as their, like, one and done, like, yeah, they're okay with me doing stuff to them mm. in bed, but, like, as soon as I try to, like, get some reciprocal Like, they see me as a whole. Yeah. yeah. Then they, like, walk out, and, mm-hmm. like, they're not about it, and all of a sudden, it's like, I'm, like, the pariah. He's like, I'm done. No more straight men. And Raven is like, is that a problem that you really have? And he's like, yes, it is. <laughs> Amen. So he's like, this is my New Year's resolution. Also, New Year's resolution, I'm going to start making coffee at home because shit's expensive. <laughs> I was like, great. Good for you. Makes sense. So they approach the party. And when Charles goes in, Eric is there, as he is every year. And we learn that Eric has finalized his divorce to Magda. Who's Magda? Uh, so it's his wife. In the series? Yeah, in the second movie. Okay. I think she ends up being killed. That's yeah. a bummer. Yeah, uh, his wife Magda and his daughter. Oh, okay. That happened in a AU that you sent me. Yes. Uh, okay. So Eric is like, oh yeah, he and Magda got divorced this summer, so he's technically single. Already fucking up his marriage resolution. <laughs> Just like, so flirting. Lasts approximately flirting. five seconds. <laughs> And they talk, and every year Charles really looks forward to this conversation he has with Eric. He's like, it's always been really easy with Eric, like, this conversation, like, we always get really deep really fast, Mm -hmm. but in a way that feels really natural and really wonderful. Mm -hmm. And they kind of monopolize each other during the party. And this year it's a little extra charged because Eric is single for the first time, and Charles has been harboring this crush for however many years it is, so he's just like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm, okay. So there's a lot of Charles being like, Oh, this unrequited thing. Like, I'm going to go home and end up just, like... Jerking off. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> thoughts of Eric again. Life is hard. Yep. Um, And then they end up on the balcony for uh, the midnight, when it turns midnight on New Year's Eve. They're talking, and during this conversation, it is revealed that Charles has had a very difficult, intense relationship with his mother, and his mother recently died, and, like, he's, like, struggling... And Eric kind of parses out some of the frustrations with the divorce and all that kind of stuff. They're really, like, again, having a very deep, like, personal conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, it's happening again where Charles is like, god damn it. Like, he's so good. And, like, it's, we're just really good. And Charles realizes that it's about to be midnight. He's like, oh, we should should go outside. And Eric's like, no, we shouldn't. (laughs) Or. It's fine. Um, And they start hearing the countdown. And at one, when the ball drops, Eric kisses Charles. Oh, boy. Uh, Oh, boy. uh, Yeah. Um, As they're kissing, the balcony door gets, like, burst open. So they get broken apart, and Charles is like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) And he doesn't have any, like, they can't talk about it or anything. So uh, Raven comes out, and, like, a bunch of people come out, and they give him, like, hugs and kisses all around and, like, friendship. And, like, woo, New Year's. (laughs) But Charles is like... Uh, well, let's do that again. Yeah, like, this is great, but also, like, what... And then it reoccurs to him that he was like, Eric is straight. Mm-hmm. Is he just going to be another, like, person who uses me? And then he's like, do I care? Like, does does that matter? And he doesn't really have an answer for himself right away, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, and well, he's like... It's like, didn't you just make a resolution not to do this kind of thing? Is what he asked himself. And then he's like, well... New Year's Eve didn't count. Yeah, he's like, it's not New Year's yet. That's fine. So they kind of get separated and mm-hmm. they end up back inside. And Charles catches Eric eventually talking to somebody and like kind of just like very gently pulls him away. And he's like, yep. Eric could totally bail on this if he wanted to. Like, right. I'm not being forceful or creepy or anything. But he kind of grabs him by like the wrist and is yep. like, all right, let's go. And takes him into the bedroom where all of the coats <laughs> are, which is like hilarious and yep. so funny. 
and kisses him, like pulls him into a kiss. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're kissing, and it's like, great. Charles has, like, basically decided, Eric is straight, he's drunk, this is what it is, it's gonna be fine, but, like, I'm also going to do this. Yeah. I'm here for it. Biggest crush for years, and it's like, yeah, yeah, obviously I'm gonna go for it. Yeah, and then Charles is like, have you ever kissed a man before? And Eric is like, it's my first time. And Charles is like, confirmed, straight boy. (laughs) Like, nope. Uh, and he says something about, oh, are you being bad tonight? Like, kind of being a little, like, flirty, sexy, whatever. But also, like, there's an undercurrent there of, like, yeah. Charles' insecurity is slipping through a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, oh, you're doing something wrong tonight. <laughs> yeah, and that's how he's sort of been framing a lot of his relationships, is people treating him like some kind of dirty secret. Yeah. Eric kind of agrees with him and is like, mm-hmm. And Charles is like, all right, then let's go for it. And then, basically, they get caught again. But this time, uh, like, Raven stands there and is like, all right, you done making out? Like, we gotta go. It's time to go. Mm -hmm. And they leave. And Raven is like, did Eric hit on you? Like, what happened? And Charles is like, don't, don't. And and Raven is actually super protective of him in that moment and is like, I cannot believe he would do that to you. Like, that's so shitty. And Eric is like, don't worry about it. Like, it it was a thing. It happened, but it's not gonna happen again. Like, just let it go. And Raven's like, fine, whatever. And Charles is like, all right, I'm done. Whatever. One time only situation. (laughs) Chapter two opens with uh, Eric calling Charles. (laughs) Being like, hey, do you want to get coffee? And Charles is like, what? (laughs) Excuse me? Huh? Like, this has never happened before, because in the previous, you know, moment, he was always, like, they were the kind of people who, like, they would get together on New Year's Eve, have this really deep conversation, really like each other, say, oh, we should catch up over coffee, and then it never happens. And then the next year, they would do the same thing over and over and over again. So for him to actually call is kind of monumental. Um, So he's just like, uh, sure, let's go get coffee. So they walk, uh, Eric is like, I was in your neighborhood, which is a blatant lie. (laughs) Because he lives lives, in Brooklyn. Yeah, he lives in a different borough (laughs) in New York. And Charles is like, you're full of shit, but okay, whatever. So they meet at Starbucks and they're like drinking Starbucks, whatever. And they're talking and they're sitting there, whatever. uh, And there's a little bit of sort of introspection on Charles's part about like what's happening in his history with Raven and like how he really appreciates how Raven has been looking out for him in this situation because historically they've been like, because they come from an abusive household, they had always just kind of like sacrificed each other in order to protect themselves. And that's something that they've been working through in mm-hmm. adult life in a very real way. But he really appreciates that she is kind of making a point of being a little bit more protective of him. So <laughs> he, um, he goes and meets Eric, and they're both a little hungover from New Year's. (laughs) They're at Starbucks, and they're like, well, it's kind of busy. And he's like, Eric says, the best part about, you know, New Year's Day is that everybody's, like, asleep. So it's the (laughs) one time where New York is quiet, and you can just kind of, like, walk around and actually hear yourself think. And Charles is like, is that what you want to do right now? And he's like, yeah, sure. So they kind of go walking with their coffee. Cute. Yeah, and they go and talk, and they're like, okay. And Charles is like, I got to put a stop to this. Like, I know where this is going. Eric is not being subtle right now that no. he is, like, interested. But I, he was like, I, this isn't real. Like, this is him, like, experimenting. And I got to end this. Like, I cannot do this. Charles tells a story about his, like, asshole stepbrother getting kicked out of FAO Schwartz, which kind of gets them started talking about their childhoods and stuff and how Eric had gone to FAO Schwartz as a kid, but basically treated it like a museum because he was so poor that and like in such a bad, like his family, like both of his parents were really sick and absent. Like he had to take care of himself. He was like, there was no way I was getting a gift from FAO Schwartz ever. So like I had no more intention of bringing something home from that store than I did the T-Rex from the museum. 
And it sort of highlights the disparity in their experiences. Yeah. That they are coming from very different worlds, which comes back later. It's helpful. <laughs> it's helpful. As they're walking, they re-approach Charles's building, and he's like, how about you come up? Also, my heat is broken. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. And Eric is like, that's not good. Like, it's cold out. And he's like, yeah, I know, but it's going to be fine. So they're, like, walking around, and they kind of start talking again, and Eric makes a move. Of course he does. Of course he does. He's like, I couldn't sleep last night. All I could think about was you. They're, like, kissing, and it's a thing. Charles kind of is like, wait, 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 we should talk about this. And Eric's like, okay, like, did I do something wrong? And Charles is like, no, but you're straight. Like, you don't want the kind of sex that I want to have because you are a straight man and I am a gay man, and those are two different (laughs) things. And... Eric tries to, like, prove himself a little bit by, like, attempting to give Charles a blowjob very quickly. And it, like, it kind of happens for a minute. And then he, like, gags. And Charles is like, nope, we're done. And pulls him (laughs) off. And is like, it's fine. You don't have to do this. And Eric is like, what the fuck do you want from me? Because, like, I don't know what to do here. And Charles is like, yeah, you really don't know what you want here. And is, like, actively shoving him away. (laughs) Why do we push away the people we love? Oh, I don't know. Alan, if I hadn't answered that question, I wouldn't be going to therapy. Uh, Same. (laughs) Yeah, so Eric starts getting ready to walk out the door. And Charles realizes, like, if he leaves now, he's gone forever. That's it. And he's like, don't leave. Charles is like, please stay. And they he kind of makes a decision to, like, talk it out. So this is sort of where Charles' internal monologue shifts from trying to be like, nope, 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 into like, okay, let me put myself in his shoes and figure out what's going on. They end up talking a lot about their dynamic and what's going on. Um, And Charles is like, well, I don't want you to do anything you're not ready for. I don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. And Eric is like, I don't actually know what I want, but I want to be able to figure it out. I think I just rushed it. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the thing. And I was like, yeah, you did, buddy. (laughs) This is a very rushed situation. They decide, Charles is like, well, we should talk about this. Also, it's fucking cold. So <laughs> he goes and gets his blanket off of his bed yep. and, like, tucks them both in on the couch so oh. they can sit and talk. And it's, like, the best thing he's ever done. Because they have to talk to each other. Yep. But they're also, like, forced to be very comfortable about it while they do it. Mm-hmm. So it's a very cozy, very safe way <sighs> of, like, unpacking a lot of their feelings for that. each other. Charles, like tells Eric the whole story about why he's so frustrated with straight men and why he's so sick of being an experiment and, like, how people have hurt him in the past. And Eric's like, oh, like, I didn't know that's how that was coming across. Like, I'm really glad you told me because I didn't understand this. Yeah. And Eric is like, well, I don't know exactly what I want and I don't know where this is coming from, but I have been dreaming about you. Vivid dreams. Smutty dreams. <laughs> and uh, Charles is like, cool, interesting. Tell well, me more. It was after their first meeting. He admits, like, yeah. we had, we, I met you the first night, and then that night I had a very vivid yeah. sex dream about us. Yeah, this was, like, years ago yeah. when he was still married. And he mm-hmm. was like, I just kind of shelved it because I was married. <laughs> yeah, woke up, woke my wife up. We had some sex. <laughs> yeah, which you don't need to know about. <laughs> yep. And then I was like, all right, cool, that happened, and then didn't worry about it anymore. Charles says, well, what changed recently then? Like, besides besides you being divorced. And Eric's like, well, over the summer you were talking about some guy that you were seeing. And for the first time it wasn't, oh, I'm happy for him. It was, oh, I'm jealous. Like, I don't want this to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, it could be me. And that was like a 
pretty significant shift for him. And he had decided then that at New Year's he was going to make a move <laughs> and see how it went. Uh, and I was like, oh, my God. These dumb, precious babies. Men. Like, so stupid. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, men. buddy, but so stupid. Not that women aren't much better, but... Um, but men are a whole new breed of stupid. It's a certain level of emotional incompetence that I'm like, wow. <laughs> this is hard. Um, so they have to, like, process a little bit of their first kiss in that moment where Charles was like, oh, you being bad tonight. And Charles was like, well, you said you were being bad. And Eric was like, I thought that was, like, dirty talk. Like, I didn't get... So they realize that they're on very different wavelengths mm-hmm. in terms of what they're communicating to each other. And right. they have to resolve that in order to move forward. They make sort of a commitment to be like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be another thing that hurts you in reciprocity to each other. Right. And then it becomes, well, what do you want? Eric is like, well, <laughs> um, I don't super know, but I do want to try. And they start making out really Damn. aggressively. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which everything sounds so like. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They get, they're just like really into it. I guess it is pretty soft. Um, <laughs> And then Charles basically teaches Eric how to give a blowjob. Yup. And they have some sex, which is great. And it escalates quickly, but in a way that is very measured, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. Like, the way that the, like, smut escalates in this fic, it happens very quickly yes. in the sense that, like, it's only, like, a day. Like, they go from first kiss <laughs> to full-on fucking in a day. <laughs> But it also... We've all been there, am I right, ladies? No. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it doesn't It doesn't feel rushed in the sense that you're like, wait a minute. It's just, it's. it happens really fast in a way that I was like... But it's also at the end of years of pining. Exactly. So there's, there's like a base for it. So right. I was like, okay. It's just an interesting thing where like, it's like we come in the middle of the fanfic like yeah. you someone could have written those years before yeah but we are here you know yeah, it's interesting yeah it's very sort of like the top of the bell curve yeah. <laughs> um and we don't really get the full-on like pining lead up in media's res yep so then after they have done the blowjobs and the like <laughs> cuddling or whatever they wake up after they have just like fallen asleep post sex and Eric is like, I'm so sorry I fell asleep. And Charles is like, we're dudes. We don't care. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, a thing. Yeah. And Eric is like, Oh, well, okay. You know, I don't have to work until tomorrow. What if we go down to like Dwayne Reed and pick up some supplies and I just stay here. And Charles is like, it's cold though. And he was like, uh, Dwayne Reed sells space heaters. (laughs) He was like, you right. So they go to Dwayne Reed and go pick up some supplies and they're walking. And, they end up getting food and bringing it back and setting up a little, like, indoor picnic scenario. And it's very, like... Right next to... Also, Charles's apartment is in the Upper East Side. Yeah. Uh, has a gorgeous view. Yeah. Like, it's a high-rise. Uh, his One of his walls is, like, all glass, essentially. And this extends into his bedroom. So they're on this bedroom floor, like, this picnic set out with pizza and stuff. And, like, yeah. overlooking the skyline at night. Yeah. Again, it's a lot of talking about their feelings, which is amazing. Listen, <laughs> I may be processing some things. Oh, no. Um, so Eric processes that, like, you know, why his relationship with Magda kind of fell apart. And he was like, you know, I was doing the whole, like, stoicism thing and didn't want to, like, lose the upper hand. And by the time I realized that it was bullshit, I didn't actually have the feelings anymore. Like, I had, I had basically, like, stopped myself from caring for her that way and it just kind of fell apart so we're trying to be like good to each other but whatever Mm -hmm. and that's sort of a moment of Charles realizing that like this is Eric for the very first time from childhood to now 
being able to ask for what he wants and taking a moment to ask for what he wants, which is a huge thing for him. And it's not at all that, like, he is using him in the way that he's so afraid of. It's that, like, Eric doesn't really know how to, like, how to want a thing, which I think we've talked about before. That is a really hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. It is one thing to talk about feelings and stuff. It is another thing to actively be like, hello, I want a thing. <laughs> I would like this, please. Yeah, and have somebody else be able to say no. Yeah. And, like, shoot you down and, like, hurt you. Yeah. That's a very vulnerable position to mm-hmm. be in. So Charles is like, okay. And he's like, well, I've been trying to protect myself. Eric has been really vulnerable. Like, I can't shoot this down. Right. Like, I can't do can't that. Can't work that way. They were equally scared, just in opposite <laughs> directions. Uh. Uh, so he actually, that's the moment where he was like, okay, I'm, I'm in this. Yeah. Right. Charles talks about how he is normally the opposite of, like, super stoic, and he's normally too demonstrative and too clingy, and people are like, oh, it's like getting hit in the face with a fire hose, and, like, you're just <laughs> awful. And Eric's like, that's real mean. Who said that to you? And Charles is like, it's not necessarily untrue, but, like, Eric's like, stop it. He um, says you don't have to change yourself for me. <laughs> it's so cute. Um, but Charles uh, responds with, no, um, but I need to change a little for myself. Uh, which so good. Yeah. Oh, sorry, So this transitions into a discussion about the sex that they'd had. And Eric having that moment of like, but we didn't really have sex. Because it wasn't penetrative. 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 Penetrative, thank you. Um, (laughs) And Charles being like, that's not actually a thing. (laughs) It doesn't have to be the measure by which we, like, ascribe value here. Right. Like, I am perfectly happy with what we did and think it's great and we can continue to do that stuff. And Eric Mm -hmm. is like, but I want to do actual full-on like (laughs) anal sex and charles is like we can but like it's gonna be a whole thing like it's (laughs) it's more than i think you actually realize it is and eric is like well i want i want to try this like i'm insisting and he's like okay through that it's like you know eric reveals that he's been watching a lot of gay porn (laughs) and he was like well i don't actually want to just have sex with men full stop i specifically want to have sex with you and Charles is like, interesting. And Eric does say, I guess I'm bi-curious. And Charles is like, I'm going to fucking murder you. Uh, uh, but he says, God grant me strength <laughs> in, uh, in italics, which means it's an internal thing. And then Charles sighed and let it go. Um, and then asked, are there other, any other men you've been attracted to? And Eric says, no, maybe Daniel Craig a little, but that's just, and Charles says, being human. Yeah. <laughs> so Eric really, really wants to have sex with Charles. And is very clear about that. Mm-hmm. And Charles says, okay, basically, we're going to do it. And he's like, it doesn't have to be tonight. And Eric is like, no, it's going to be tonight. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I need to know. Yeah, like right now. So they do. And Charles, like, fucks him. Well, and- that's a, here's, here's the, like, kind of the big moment is, like, Eric is talking about all of this and, like, being unsure of what he likes and admits, like, he wants to try with Charles and is very attracted to Charles, but he needs to know that sex will be pleasurable to him in any form that they choose to have it. Yeah. And so Charles is like, you know, what do you want me to do? Just say whatever you want, I will give you. And Eric says, I want you to fuck me. Yeah. And this is Eric saying, like, I need to know that I can get pleasure out of, you know, being fucked with you. And Charles is like, okay. Yeah. And they do. (laughs) Yep. And they do. And it goes really well. Yep. Um, For all involved. For everybody involved. They're having a grand old time. And it's very, like soft and slow and very like 
fanfic smut. <laughs> Very feelings-based. Very feelings-y. And I was like, ooh, Alan was in a place emotionally. I think I still am. Yeah. Like, here, at the very bottom, like, after they've had the sex and, like, Charles is asking, you're okay, are you sure? And Eric says, fuck, yeah, that was amazing. Uh, I loved it. It's mm-hmm. so intense. And Charles tells him, I could fall in love with you. And Eric says, about time you caught up. Oh. Which I didn't realize that was my fix at that moment. Uh-huh. Something to talk to my therapist about. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes we read fanfic and then we go, oh, this has uh, highlighted oh, a truth about me. There are some patterns. Yeah. So then the next morning, they have a very positive morning after, mm-hmm. which is different from Thank the one I sent God. you. God. And Eric is like, we cannot stay in this fucking cold apartment anymore. Like, it, this is actually dangerous. Like, we need to go. And they're like, okay. Charles like, well, I got some stuff to do and blah, blah, blah. And, and Eric's, Eric's going like, to work. Yeah, Eric's going to work. And then he's like, well, if they haven't fixed your heat, like, come stay with me in Brooklyn. And Charles is like, I don't want to crowd you too soon. And Eric's like, no, no, no. I'm saying I would like you to come <laughs> stay with me in Brooklyn, even if your heat does yes. get fixed. And Charles is like, oh, my God, this is great. And he's like, I'm so glad I don't have to play it cool right now. He's like, All right, great. Text me your address. I don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> and then Eric is like, we're doing this out of order, aren't we? Yeah. Charles has a moment where he's like, that was meant as a joke, but actually I might not be good at this. And Eric is like, that's eh, fine. We're figuring this out. All relationships are fucking weird. Like, we all strike out until we don't. Oh, we all get so it wrong good. until we get it right. So good. And Charles is like, okay, I'll see you at like 630. Great. And then, uh, so Charles calls Raven and is like, so Eric came over. <laughs> a lot happened. Yup. And like downloads all the things that happened. And Raven is like, well are you okay? Like, are you sure he's going to treat you right? Like, everything's going on. And Charles is like, yeah, it's been a lot. But, like, to be honest, like, yeah, I think this is going to go well. Uh, And Raven's like, yeah, it's really hard to be honest, isn't it? And Charles is like, yeah. And Raven reveals that she had had a conversation with her partner, Henry. Mm -hmm. And how she knew that he was the one for her was that she had a history of having, like, a lot of casual sex. Mm -hmm. And her number was very high. And she was very ashamed of that. Mm -hmm. And she finally, like, told him the actual situation that she was in and, like, who she was. And basically, like, offered up herself on a plate. <laughs> yeah. And he was honest and was like, this is intimidating, but it doesn't change how I feel about you. And that mm-hmm. was how she knew, like, she was like, you got to find somebody who sees you for who you are and loves you anyway. Um, maybe loves you for it. And, um, you know, that and great sex. <laughs> Amen. And Charles was like, check and check. And Ripley's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, so they have this phone call and they thing and Charles like goes about his day and it sort of leaves and is like, but to hell with it. The coffee was great. Um, he went, <laughs> there we go. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, which is the reference. He stops and gets coffee and before he even realizes it. He has broken his other New Year's resolution. <laughs> and he's like, all right, all of it was broken. It's fine. Whatever. So, and that's the end. Yeah. So it's a very, like, when I talk about the top of the bell curve, you also don't get any more of the relationship out of that. It's a very little, like, blip of yeah, time. it's a moment. Which is fascinating. Love it. I liked this a lot. It raids really fast. Like, this yeah. was a fast read, but it's a good read. I think I either wanted more of it mm-hmm. or perhaps less. I was like, this this amount was kind of frustrating Interesting. to like walk away from. Because I was like, what do you mean we're not going to see him in Brooklyn? What do you mean he's not going to go? But I also like, like, it didn't ruin it. I just yeah. was like, this is a very, more, yeah. yeah, this is a very interesting slice of this relationship. It's yeah. a very interesting worldview where sometimes fanfics just like cut off at the end and you're like, all right, cool. I, yeah, I guess that was it. Um, there's not a whole lot of denouement as long as we're talking about <laughs> weird literary, literary terms. terms. Yeah. So, yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked the way that they dealt with 
both of their very real, like, life struggle things, I felt very, like, true and very grounded. I do think they moved really fast, which was a little... It was a little off-putting when I first was reading it, but then I was like, nah, like, I could kind of rationalize it. The jumping right into anal sex was a little much. But, like... That is... I was like... That is men having sex. Is it? Okay. Oh, a hundred percent. There's a joke in, like, with (laughs) gay people where you have sex and then if you exchange numbers after that like that's serious wow yeah okay so i think this is a moment where we talk about the difference between queer women and queer men yeah this isn't an exclusively thing to no. i don't want to be reductive but the joke about queer women is that you u-haul <laughs> and you move in together before you even have like before you've even discussed having a crush yep. like and that to me that rings true i cannot list the number of people i know in my life who have u-hauled <laughs> um and like so i think maybe in this scenario that's something that like this is coming from a place of really understanding and coming from a queer male culture mm-hmm. that doesn't speak to me because I am not a queer male. <laughs> yeah, I am a fair. queer woman yep. and have a different framework mm-hmm. for timeline and pace and all that yeah. kind of stuff. I think a lot of the time when I read fanfic, it is written by women, yeah. predominantly queer women, and yeah. falls into that framework right, where agreed. it's a lot of emotional buildup before anything physical happens. And this is kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. So that's fascinating. Yahtzee. Great job. Well done. <laughs> so cool. That said, I mean, I enjoyed it. Like, I had a good time. I would rate it, like, like a 3.9. Oh, wow. That's high. Yeah. Like, it's a good good time. That's a high for Aaron. Let me me specify. I also just ate, so. (laughs) (laughs) You are at your most content. some nice scrambled eggs, (laughs) (laughs) giving a couple of extra points here. Amazing. But, no, it's a good time. I think, I I do think that framework of seeing it through a queer male lens Mm -hmm. is helpful. Because I think... I do. Th- I think it's fascinating that that is the difference. Yeah. Between, yeah. I hadn't even thought about it. Yeah. All right. What did uh, I send you? Because I kind of forget. <laughs> you sent me uh, Shit's Creek, a fanfic. Oh yeah, I did, didn't I? Yup. <laughs> so, oops. <laughs> it is called "Love Makes the Lightest Sound" by author Ten Thirty One. That is the numbers one zero three one. Yep. The, the su- internet is a magical place. <laughs> The summary. David has always hated New Year's Eve. End summary. <laughs> yep. If you're waiting for more, you'll be waiting a while. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I have a sense that this did not go well. <laughs> so the note uh, in the author's note, the author specifies that this was done for a prompt. How did David and Patrick spend their first New Year's Eve together? I will start off by saying that this is written beautifully. Mm-hmm. It is like poetry. Mm-hmm. It was gorgeous wonderful Mm -hmm. like the way it's written like the descriptions the syntax the rhythm it was great Mm -hmm. it was it put me in the space i think that the author really wanted me to be in Mm -hmm. and essentially not a lot happens this Mm -hmm. is from the point of view of david and he's in bed with patrick following the new year's eve celebration uh they're like literally middle of the night and him and Patrick are just um, basking in each other's presence. And, mm-hmm. like, David asks Patrick to tell him a secret. And Patrick says, every word I sing is for you. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't get, but still <laughs> made me cry. Yep. Um, and, and then David asks even the sad ones. And Patrick says, there are no sad ones. Not anymore. Yeah. And, oh, it's beautiful. 
Um, my only problem <laughs> with this Aaron Murphy is I have not seen Schitt's Creek. Yep. So 85% of this fic yeah. is not, res- did not resonate with me. Yeah. I could get a few things, and, like, mm-hmm. there's this really beautiful moment toward the beginning where David is talking about how he's always felt like a firework, mm-hmm. and that that's why he hated New, New Year's show. I was like, all right. Because um, <laughs> he always felt like a firework uh, in that he would shine very brightly for people, and they would be, like, ooh and ah. But then the moment that it was over, they would go back to their lives, and mm-hmm. they would kind of just ignore him or leave him. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, that's, that's a really interesting feeling and a really beautiful way to encapsulate it Mm -hmm. but then they talk about like how they spend new year's eve with all these people and like a bunch of stuff that i was just like i don't know that i fully understand it i would have liked this so much if it hadn't been fan fiction Mm. because this would almost read stronger to me if it was just a story like original fiction if it was Mm -hmm. just two people yeah you know and talking about this because it's Gorgeous. It is a beautiful read. Also, 1,500 words. Yep. Super quick read. Highly recommend that everyone mm-hmm. reads it because it's beautifully written. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the context was lost on me. Yeah. Um, and I it frustrated me mm. not being able to fully be where I think this would have hit me. Yeah. And maybe once I get around to watching Shit's Creek, I will come back and reread this and, like, ball my eyes out and I'll just call you and sob. Yeah. I just was not there. That's fair. And I, th- I think what's interesting is that both you and I, for Christmas, I think we had a very set, like, w- basis we needed to hit. Like, mm-hmm. some gift giving and some, yeah. like, Christmas decorations and some cold weather, some snow, some snowball yeah. fights, some snowmen, all that stuff. <laughs> Only one bed. <laughs> <laughs> Only one bed. But for New Year's, I think we kind of went in different directions where, like, mm-hmm. mine was, like, yeah, technically at a party, but then it, like, went into a whole bunch of introspective, like, moments and quiet Quite introspection, I think, is what we've both landed on. Yeah. Yours didn't really have a party at all. It was yep. remembering a party. Yeah. And it was a beautiful moment of, like, two people enjoying each other's company and, like, kind of reminiscing over what the last year has brought. And it's dawning and it's a new year. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I really appreciate it that that's the direction you went with it. I yeah. thought that was really, like, sweet and, like... Because I think that's going to kind of be my new year this year. 2019 was a rough year, y'all. Yeah. Agreed. Like, rough. And I think that what I want most of all is just to, like, be able to, like, sit with some friends and have mm-hmm. a drink and be like, you know, that was hard, but, you know, better things are ahead. Yeah. So I really appreciated this, and I Yay. think that it was a it was a really good one to end our first season <laughs> of The oh, Pickles yeah. on. I'm glad that you feel that way. I definitely agree that I think it would benefit from some context, but I actually don't know if context helps with this as Mm. much as you think it does it's a lot of the sort of introspection is rooted in who they are as people which makes sense but there isn't a whole lot of like specificity to be gleaned from it because of context i don't think well i think sorry and i think the biggest part is that a lot of the introspection happens with like so there's a part here where um david's thinking about himself and Mm. says He's aware enough to know that he uses it to his advantage to keep others at arm's length and away mm. because sometimes he shines too brightly even for himself. But Patrick revels in it, in yeah. the glow of David's presence, of his eccentric passions, his ridiculousness, his neuroses, his love. Uh, and, and having of, some context for that would be exactly, helpful. Exactly. Like, yeah. what, is, what are the neuroses? Like, how did they meet? What? Like, yeah. I think it was just small things like that. Got it. Then I think, yeah, that makes sense. Because there are 
David is a little neurotic, and like that's <laughs> yeah. who he is. Bless his so little I've heart. Gathered. And Patrick just thinks it's delightful, oh. and he's kind of the only person who thinks it's delightful. <laughs> um, or like he's one of the few people who's just like, "Yep, I'm in for I'm a penny, in for a pound. Like oh. here for it." And like when they met, <laughs> David panicked because Patrick was the person who needed him to sign out his like mm-hmm. incorporation paperwork, and. David doesn't know what he's doing, so he calls and leaves six rambling voicemails <laughs> on Patrick's phone being like, Hey, David, it's Patrick. Fuck. He's <laughs> just like a moron. But it's just so weird. And Patrick gives him so much shit for it, but he like, he goes like, did you leave enough voicemails? Like, and he gives him shit, but he thinks it's like, you can tell he's just like, I'm so into this fucker. Like, yep. and you can tell right away. He just like indulges him and like he gets him and it's really sweet. And... Yeah, it's just a really good relationship. So I, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I hope you get a chance to watch this show because it's really want it's to. really good. I'm <laughs> like, excited about I, it. I talk like I don't have the option. I act like I, I don't pay for Netflix. Yeah, but like also watching a new show is a commitment, and who has yeah. the time? <laughs> like, really? That's the sweetest thing you've ever said to me. Yeah. So great. Great. I am glad that you liked it. Yeah. What would you rate this fic? Four. Cool. I'll take that. Gorgeous. Gorgeously written. Yay. That's our holiday spectacular, friends. Boy, was it spectacular. It was an event. Dear, yeah, it was a long event. It's okay. We did pretty good. I think I think <laughs> we're good. So, we should be up front. Um, this is our last episode for a little while. Yeah, we need a break. We're going to take some time. Um, I know what you're thinking. Some time? You haven't been posting regularly. <laughs> but... Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the tried and true tradition of fan fiction writers, we are <laughs> sporadic in our uploads. Yep. And that's just how it's going to be, friends, because we have lives and jobs and families and things happen. And like, Editing oh boy. is hard. Editing is really hard. So we are going to take a little bit of a break. We'll come back in the new year eventually, probably. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. But... I have loved every second of doing (laughs) this stupid little project. It's so fun. It is the most fun project I think I've done in years. It's the most creatively fulfilled I've felt in a long time. Oh, that's great. And I love you, friendo. I love you. I'm in a very emotional place. Yeah, we both are. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, but this has been great. Please, like, rate, review, share with a friend, share the Mm -hmm. magic. Yeah. Um, Also, please... Like, send us more recommendations. Mm-hmm. Send us fandoms to look into, pairings, uh, mm-hmm. tags. Because mm-hmm. as you can see, <laughs> we <Yep>. need help. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as we look at our slate for next season, mm-hmm. my hope is that we really expand and have more of interactions with you guys, with our listeners, yes. and are able to build a little bit more community and, like, really push ourselves to be even more expansive in what we're talking about. Because I think that is how we grow this this little project of ours um have some fun um so if anybody knows how to get in contact with hale appleman so he can come do an interview <laughs> hale, on this podcast please come i know come here please talk to us i mean but also we'll like I, i'll feed you that's for damn sure <laughs> um you can come hang out with my cat if that's a selling point um you did think she was cute when i handed you my phone at <laughs> comic-con um but like you know if you can think of things that we could be doing that you would like to hear us talk about or see or like see us do that would be really great definitely coming back this this is going to be a continuing project we just need a little bit of time to yes. like recoup we're just gonna you know go go home we're gonna yep. gonna eat some food gonna spend some time with family yep and we'll regroup yep see you in the next decade friends <laughs> oh my god <laughs> ah! <laughs>
<laughs> See you in 2020. New decade, new us. New decade, new episodes. <laughs> it's going to be great. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. Bye. Bye. <laughs>